Ready, Dave? Happy New Year! Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> Dave is so excited about 2020. I, I had a little too much fun last night. It's 2020. That's what that song should have been. So, we're here. We're full of cheer. <laughs> and we're ready to talk more about Flood. So this is Don't Let's Start, a podcast about They Might Be Giants, episode... 23? 23? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, 23 23 is, is the, the mystical TMBG mm. number. You know about that, Dave? 23 and me. That's right. 23. We're going to find out what percentage of They Might Be Giants you are. Yeah. I actually, it's funny because Dave is looking at the 23 and me package yep. right in front of me because I'm going to, I spit into a tube and I'm going to mail it out. And That's the, what everyone wants to hear about. <laughs> the, and the government is going to have all my information just in, yes. in case I ever murder Dave, they'll know who did it by I the spit on Dave's. I think they would know that Because anyway. I'm going to spit on Dave's face <laughs> when I'm done killing him. Well, I think that's a good way to start the new year, Jordan. It really <laughs> so, sets, sets it up. So anyway, we are nearing side two of Flood, finally. We're up to uh, Istanbul. Yeah. Right? So Istanbul was a song from out. the 1700s by King Henry IV. No, um, Dave, what, what, what song are we what up to? Christmas. <laughs> what? Christmas Town? <laughs> what song are we up to, Dave? We are up to my favorite song on Flood, what? which is called We Want a Rock. Where was I? I forgot the point that I was making. I said if I was smart that I would save up for a piece of string and a rock to wind string Everybody wants a rock to wind a piece of string around. Everybody wants a rock to wind. Ooh, I love that harmony, Dave. You want to, We're going to sing the harmony later, I think. I know, I know Dave's excited about that. I love that. What's your favorite song on Flood? Oh, good. <laughs> All right. I, I got very serious. I'm looking at the, the, you know, I mean, I think it'd be madness to not say birdhouse but you know how it is after you get kind of tired of hearing a song too many times maybe we'll we're we're coming up on my favorite song on flood dave okay maybe that's gonna happen thanks for giving me so much to work with uh, after, what do you think of this one yeah so after like particle man and twisting i feel like the songs get um shall we say challenging uh, mm. lyrically yeah um, a lot of my preparation for this episode was me just literally <laughs> staring at the lyrics. Oh yeah, I don't look at me, man. It's gonna be a okay. I was puzzler. yeah, I was hoping David figured it all out. I can't. I can't. So, but I do have some like uh, let's say outside the box theories about some of these songs, which I've been excited to talk about. So we want to rock. Um, well, what should we talk about first? Uh, we can start right at the uh, the title. Yeah, we want a rock. So. We Want a Rock is a reference to, you know this, right, Dave? The uh, Twisted Sister, yeah. It's called I Want a Rock. Yeah.
So the, the narrator in the song wants, wants to rock. Wants to rock. Um, it's funny, you know, I looked up the lyrics being like, okay, what's really going on here? And that, that's the extent of it. I um, assume so, yes. He doesn't like when... Is Dee Snider the writer of the music in Twisted Sister? I, I don't know. It says songwriter yeah, Daniel's, yeah, yeah. Daniel Daniel D, Daniel D. Snyder. I didn't, I didn't know that was his name. Um, yeah, Jerome Snyder. I know he's from Long Island. <laughs> um, this is a very Long Island song, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, the, he's mad that people are telling him to turn his to music down, knock. and he and he yeah he <laughs> says, well, in my uh, humble opinion, <laughs> I think I should, I sh- I think I should like to rock. You know what? I don't like to get involved in politics, but I think in this case, I'm going to have to take his side. Yeah. So this kind of leads to my like grand theory about this song. And and this is a song that Linnell has spoken of a little, but he, he didn't say the thing I'm saying, which is I do think the uh, referencing what could be called a dumb... Uh, <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> a dumb rock pop song. I don't think song. you can. Um, you may, may be straightforward. You know, sure, I think dumb sure. is a character judgment. Yeah, it is. And I'm judging his character. And I won't stand here. And I judge his character guilty of dumb. Um, Listen, you besmirch the good name of <laughs> Daniel D. Snyder. <laughs> I like the song in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> I no, I actually have. I like Twisted Sister. They're fine. Yeah, yeah. So okay, <laughs> so let me let me try to be succinct about this. Um, I think this song is is kind of like a very abstract um, criticism of popular music, maybe in a similar vein as mainstream USA. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason I think that is because there's several, sort of like with mainstream USA, there's several references to other pop songs within the song. Not that they're all references to bad pop songs, but, um, and then there's this kind of motif in the lyrics about like, and this is something Linnell does on this album a few times and in general, which I, I love him for, is this kind of, this motif of, collectively looking down at a, a mass of people as a bunch of drooling babies mm-hmm. <laughs> who need a little bottle because they're a bunch of stupid babies. Um, this well, is like stupid babies need the most attention. <laughs> so, so to me, he's sort of indirectly and then, you know, I, I'm kind of coming out with this big theory right at the top rather than easing into it. To me, he's indirectly taking like this observation that the, you know, if people are so dumb that they like this dumb music, <laughs> they might as well be dumb enough that they'll they'll buy rocks and hit themselves in the head with the rock, which we're going to get to later. Hmm. That's my idea anyway, what happens in the song. So this is kind of my overarching theory. Um, they have, you know, you'll, you'll catch them in interviews like saying disparaging things about the state of, of music and rock music, especially around the time of Flood. Are there any teams that you cannot write about because you seem to be writing about anything, doorknobs, uh, right. hard feelings, yeah. broken hearts, uh, staplers. And is there, are there any teams that you really uh, don't feel writing about at well, all? Well, we have a hard time writing songs that go, Tonight! Or, Into the Night! We can't with, really with the arm. It. It's yeah. sort of the beer commercial kind of a night um, thing. It's kind of eluding us. But we're practicing it, so. You mean like every rock band from the States does? Yeah, you know, we got the, kind of the big That's the thing, thing. Is, is we can't seem to fit it get it together to be like a normal rock band from the States and have songs that go, night. But they also did say, I mean, and this is probably a bluff also, that Linnell said the song's not about anything specific. I know. Which, I, which we know he does a lot and, yeah. you know, maybe so, he means it, but so, we find a lot of meaning in them. 
let's let's look at what Linnell said about this song, and then and in lieu of an audio clip, I'm just going to read it in my best John Linnell impression, which is the same exact sound as my actual voice. So yeah. that's lucky for all you. Cool. So uh, Linnell says about the song. Well, first, <laughs> I love this quote starts with him saying, uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's a real quote. Yeah. So he goes, uh, there's a little bit of stream of consciousness to writing that one. This sounds really abstract, but in order to begin wrapping a piece of string around itself, you need something to start with like a rock. It's a metaphor for getting started. It was just a general set of loose metaphors. You know, where do you begin? So, okay, well, I'll split this quote in half because it's like a lengthy quote. So that's like very fascinating to me. And I, I'm not saying Linnell's circumventing the idea that the song mm-hmm. is like a uh, rock music is dumb song, mm-hmm. but maybe he is a little, <laughs> in my opinion. Ever, I just want to uh, emphasize, this is all my personal opinion. And also, yeah. I don't even hold my own opinions to 100%. <laughs> I'm constantly second-guessing myself. I, I don't think you're completely off base, but I took it more as just kind of a funny way, almost reverence, uh, almost a reverent way of saying like, oh, you know, rock music can be kind of silly and yeah. we know we're a little bit silly and maybe we don't rock maybe it's this sort of self-awareness mm. so he's saying like you know listen to this very rock unrock like song yeah that's true yeah i mean it rocks to me but i think it does rock. especially sense. especially live it's pretty rocking i mean that just happens well let's say if you were to compare rock in the conventional sense you know this compared to twisted sister <laughs> you would very easily see yeah. that though i know sister is rock i know which one makes me wiggle my butt more mm. Maybe this one. Is that how you measure rock? I don't know. Headbang? Yeah. I guess this doesn't make me headbang. So Linnell is saying the rock is a stand-in for this kind of symbolic idea of a starting point. So then Linnell further says in this quote, it's a funny conceit saying everyone has this problem when it's really about the problem of the person singing about wanting a prosthetic forehead. It's hard to make the argument that everybody wants one. You're enlisting everyone else. So to me, that's kind of a sub comedic thing in the song. So a narrator, this you know, narrator in the song wants this weird thing and then he's being like, everybody wants it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's like a totally weird idea uh, that I, I'm not sure if it runs contrary or parallel to my theory about the song. Well, if a narrator wants everybody to do this thing, that can definitely go along with what you're saying about rock music. It's like, yeah. I want everybody to rock. What does rock mean? What does rocking out mean? Yeah. Well, we don't even really know, but do it. Or even like if you look at it in the point of view of like a radio DJ, it's just like, I like this song, so everybody must like right. the song or a pop or a record label. Like, I feel like there's, I feel there's the, a few songs on this album that are kind of poking fun at them being on a major label. Like, I don't know when they wrote the songs. A few of the Flood songs showed up in the early 80s but uh, some of them i think were written when they maybe got the label i'm not sure um or maybe they saw what was happening with their career because it was just like getting you know bigger and bigger Mm -hmm. but this and and another song we're gonna talk about i think covers covers this ground so i have a theory about the first line which Mm -hmm. is the first line is where was i (laughs) i forgot the point that i was making which is a funny way to start a song. Yeah, and it backs up what he was saying about starting things. Oh my God, that's a good point. Yeah, okay, 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 I see what... See, I did something. His his quote is making more sense to me. See, I have an alternate theory about that line that I'll get to later. Lay it on me. It it makes sense more when we're in the the latter end of the song. Lay it on me later. Okay. 
Um, I said if I was smart that I would save up for a piece of string and a rock twine string around. To me, this reeks of like brainwashing and I want to tie it again to the corporate brainwashing of like corporate music and like everyone likes this new, uh, you know, Beach Boys, no, Beach Boys, Backstreet Boys, some boys <laughs> song, you know what I mean? So saying I said if I was, so th what's interesting to me about the first verse and why I actually think it's like a terrifying verse and I know Dave likes to be terrified. Yeah. It's, it's almost like he had like this brain fog, like his thoughts went away and then it was replaced by another thought that he didn't originate. And he goes, I said, if I was smart that I would save up for, so it's like, it's almost like he saw like a subliminal commercial right. that told him to buy a piece of string and a rock, right. you know. Well, no, there's a lot of songs about being brainwashed and. Yeah. It's like a very common theme with I think him. it's omnipresent to, on his mind. Maybe he's afraid of he's, he's susceptible. Yeah. It's I don't know. Say. But they seem like such rebellious spirits. Or maybe they're just judging the idiot masses, which is what I think. Right, or it's just a character. <laughs> it's their yeah. like art school hipster asshole, uh, you know, attitude, which I love because I'm the same way. But um, and most of my friends are. I'm not. I'm a great person. <laughs> but so you see what I mean? Like he's saying, imagine that, like I'm talking to you, Dave, and then I go. I can't imagine that. <laughs> try, try to imagine. Actually, I haven't seen Dave like at all in the past few weeks. It's kind of weird. I saw you in the street. I saw Dave in the street for one second. That's like disarming. It is. I was like, it bothered is me. this the podcast? What do I do? <laughs> I started talking about uh, take out the trash. I, I didn't know what to do. So anyway, imagine if I was talking to you, Dave, and I was just going like... All right, I'll do my best. You know, I was uh, making myself some quinoa. The, and then I like blank out and I go... What is was, that what you would talk to me about? And then I go, well, what was I saying? And I was like, oh yeah, I was saying it'd be great if we saw the new uh, Disney movie. That would be like, did you just get like brainwashed by like a Disney billboard? You know what I mean? Yeah, but I'd rather talk about that than quinoa. <laughs> Come on. It's because you're a brainwashed simpleton. <laughs> yeah, that's so, why. Okay, so I hope I made that clear. That's what I think is going on in the first verse. Yeah. I think. I mean, I don't know. I think the person in the song is struggling as we are to... <laughs> I think that this is just one of those songs that really makes you think about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, also, I, I find this too, and, and we'll, we'll also get to this for um, Whistling in the Dark, but the repetitive nature yeah, of the yeah. song. I feel like when Linnell does that, and I really feel like Linnell has, has done this in a few songs, like he's really making a point about the a mindlessness quality, right? Mindlessness, a mindless quality. Mm -hmm. And so, Say like, a few more times. <laughs> so, yeah. So, to me, like the repetitive nature of the song, this kind of violin part that kind of. It swirls around over and over on itself. Mm -hmm. When I was younger, I, I loved the song. You know, I especially loved, you know, I thought like the melodic and the musical qualities of it really like were infectious yeah, to me. It's beautiful. But I remember being like, why is it so repetitive? This is, mm. they might be giants. Why are they repeating the, why are they repeating this so much? And like, it's only when I'm older. One, now I'm more used to longer songs because <laughs> I like other bands. And you know that chorus is repeat? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I feel like with thematically, it's like, no, it's funny. It just makes it funnier the more you say it, right? Well, it's also like the song forgets that it's a song also. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you mean by that? Well, it's like, oh yeah, we have to do this again. Like the song is kind of forgetting what it was saying. Yeah, oh my God. So let's, Nailed it. we'll talk a little about the music. I love the uh, guitar in it, the tremolo guitar throughout mm -hmm. it. 
TMBW says that Linnell is playing banjo on this, but I, I don't know if that's true. I did not hear any banjo, but I've been wrong before. I think I do hear a banjo way down. I think in the center of the stereo. Way down in my soul. Way down there. So that's cool. Um, yeah, I, I love the banjo. I love the tremolo guitar, the violin. Um, it's it's always been just like one of their most like pleasing songs. That was the word I was going to use. Yeah. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Throw the crib door wide Let the people crawl inside Someone in this town Is trying to burn the playhouse down They want to stop the ones who want to rock to wind a string around But everybody wants to rock to wind a piece of string around Throw the crib door wide Let the people crawl inside Someone in this town yeah, it's the most pleasing melody. It's so easy to listen to. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I think it it's flows, a lovely song. It flows really well. I mean, I think Linnell as just a, makes me happy. Linnell's melodies in general and his chord progressions. There's this kind of like, there's this second nature to them where you're just like, it's like he makes it seem easy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they don't seem like they're struggled to piece a melody together. It's second nature. Another quote Linnell had about this song is he says, "I guess the song." <laughs> I guess the song is... I don't a think he sounds very sure of himself. Yeah. I think it's because he doesn't want to say what it's really about, which is my theory. Which he is says, rock people are stupid. Yeah, I guess the song is a metaphor. We who have nothing to wind string around are lost in the wilderness, but those who deny this need are burning our playhouse down. If you put quotes around certain words, it sounds mm. more like a metaphor. Yeah. So he's kind of making fun of like, I don't know how to explain this mm. song kind of attitude. If you're going to burn a playhouse down, by the way, make yeah. sure there's no kids in it. I didn't mean to jump ahead. I was just trying no, to make no, a, no. a killing kids joke. When they say playhouse, do they mean like a kid's toy or do they mean a theater full of people watching a play? That's a good question. I never thought Look of at that. Me. <laughs> I, what I imagined was like a little jungle gym. Uh, like yeah, little, that's kind of what I thought. Like, you know, like primary colors. Okay, so the chorus, which I think is the chorus, throw the crib door wide. Let the people crawl inside. <laughs> Linnell's antisocial uh, qualities are very endearing to me. Do, but can we back up for a second? Yeah. I mean, if we're getting into the nitty gritty of these lyrics. Oh, yeah. Cribs, do they have doors? You mean like yeah, something that baby's they, in? No, yeah, they have, they swing open. Like, to, I think I they, there's I slept, like. I slept in a cave. <laughs> just, there's, there's a latch on the crib. Do you know, Dave? Okay. Do you know what my earliest memory is? It's being in a crib. <laughs> you could have guessed, but yeah. What's your earliest memory, Dave? My earliest memory is asking how old I was. No, seriously. What was the answer? Uh, three. Oh, wow. You, you really like nailed down the, the at least the year that your earliest memory is from. I mean, if you're going to have an earliest memory, it's pretty handy to have your age <laughs> yeah. in the memory. <laughs> and on the, pre on the TV in the background, President Kennedy yeah. has been... <laughs> Yeah, I think I was like, you know, same voice. Hey, Dad, <laughs> how old am I? Yeah. No, my earliest memory Three, is... Three, son. My earliest memory is being in a crib. It's kind of surreal if you think about it, because I must have been a baby. Yeah. But I do remember it. And then I don't remember about 10 years after that. Yeah, <laughs> those were the dark times. Yeah. So... So babies, what are they good for? <laughs> so throw the crib, crib door wide. Linnell is, is telling, it's basically calling us all babies. Yeah. I, I believe he's excluding him and, and I think Flansburg, his friend. <laughs> we, I guess. Who knows? Um, but then he says, someone in this town is trying to burn the playhouse down, which brings us to 
this song. The killer. I've got an aching in my heart. Arson on my mind. I'm gonna burn your playhouse down. I've got a badly broken heart. Yes, I've had it from the start. You're giving me the run around. Now, if you play with fire, it's a sure to burn. So who's this gentleman? I'm going to burn your playhouse down. That performance was by George Jones, and it was written by Lester Blackwell. And another interesting note is that it was later covered by the Proclaimers, who we talked about mm-hmm. a bunch for Dead. And let's hear the P- Proclaimers version, because I, I have a th- feeling this is what Linnell might have heard. I've got an aching in my heart Arson on my mind, I'm going to Burn your playhouse down I've got a badly broken heart And I've had it from the start You've given me the run around A lot of extra vowels in there A lot of character in their voices Right, Dave? Not like us Yeah Right? So um, I'm going to burn your playhouse down is basically, it's basically like I'll sink Manhattan. Yeah. It's it's basically like instead of I'm going to sink your Manhattan down, it's I'm going to burn your playhouse down. Well, it's a threat. It's it's a threat. It's definitely a threat. I hope he's on some sort of FBI watch Mm -hmm. list for releasing that hateful song. So why is Linnell referencing this song in in the midst of his other song, maybe about songs? I'm not sure. Dave, do you have a do you have a theory? Oh, putting it on me. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. I guess what what what's coming to mind now is that he's like someone in this town is trying to burn the playhouse down. If you want to take it as like a reference to the song, it could be that he's like seeing this this popular song as like a legitimate threat and he's misinterpreting it and and that could tie into how like he's being controlled by the radio and mm-hmm. what's supposed to be good music so that's kind of might be a stretch but i, I also kind of think that was a great uh sentence <laughs> i said so so well, there you, you know go. there were words and uh, i think it's it's good <laughs> yeah. but in terms of the context uh outside of the pop music thing and i don't mean that he's being like self-aggrandizing here but he's kind of being like, in my opinion, like, oh, like cool people like me and Flans who have this awesome band that's like outside the mainstream are, are trying. We're the people who's trying to like burn the playhouse down of all the the dumb, silly mm. people who like all the dumb stuff. So like try to like crawl away from them, you know, and like watch out for them. Like I almost see it as him being like it's about like being the artsy weirdos. That's, but I could be totally wrong. I mean, he, you know. I mean, if we go by the lyrics, yeah. <laughs> those people. Then it totally doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so those people, someone in this town is trying to burn the playhouse down. They, yeah, so they, meaning the people that want to burn it down. Or you could say they might be stop, giants. They want to stop the ones who want a rock to wind a string around. A wound. <laughs> around. Dave is turning into a baby. This song is making me regress. Babyfying Dave. Tiny Dave. Um, well, because I fumbled over that word, I completely forgot my point. So take it, Jordan. No, no it, you weren't so much making a point as... as <laughs> no, I wasn't. No, no. I was, I was good, trying to compliment you. You weren't so much making a point as trying to... like As and, making a brilliant point. As trying to clarify the, act, the literal things happening in the lyrics, which a yeah. lot of these songs on the latter half of Flood really call for <laughs> because <laughs> they really fall on top of themselves in these lyrics. So you, you get kind of lost. Like it, it's kind of like meant to. I was just trying to trace who, yeah. if we're going by your theory yeah, yeah, of yeah. 
perhaps they're the ones that are burning it up and, you know, the that's, cool guys. That's my theory. They are also the ones who want to stop the rock to wind a string around. They want to stop the ones who want to rock. They're saying they want to stop the people, the, who the want, people from buying this stupid right. shit. They the want them who, to buy yes. a flood. <laughs> the people who have the, the rocks new record. are the dullards. The dullards. The morons. That we're saying. Our listeners. I'm just kidding. You're, I, I, you're the people on, who I'm, are excluded from this. I got a paper and pen right here. I'm going to make a flow chart. <laughs> okay. He's really doing it. No, I'm not doing it. I'm writing something else down. Oh, he's writing, somebody help me Um, (laughs) held hostage on podcast. So this all ties into my theory is that I even do think it's funny that they say they want to stop the ones who want, you know, like they might be giants. So to think of it as this way, they might be giants, want to stop the ones who want a rock to wind a string around. Ah, you can't say it either. (laughs) (laughs) But but everybody wants a rock to wind a piece. So this is, this does contrast. So Linnell's idea of the idea of the narrator saying everybody wants this to him is like a sort of a little, not a secret joke, but it's kind of like an inside joke of like the humor is that he's assuming that. But you know, Flansburg wants to rock. Flansburg is a rocker. He's a rock guy, and they're a rock band. So, I don't know. It could be a little self-aware also. Yeah, that's true. So verse two in We Want a Rock, if I were a carpenter... If I were a carpenter, I'd hammer on my piglet. I'd collect the seven dollars, and I'd buy a big prosthetic forehead and wear it. You know who was a carpenter? Who? Jesus. So do you think that's a reference to Jesus? I do now. (laughs) (laughs) You convinced yourself. Just now. Um, If you recall, I said there were some biblical implications in this album. You did say that. And uh, I'm trying to shoehorn in another one. We do know one thing. It is a reference to this song. If I were a carpenter, you were a lady, would you marry me anyway? Would you have my baby? If a tinker were my trade, would you still find me carrying the pots I made, following behind me? So... If I were, you know, I don't appreciate you undermining my half points with your actual research. Hey, <laughs> that's a good name for a podcast. Half points. <laughs> um, so that's gonna be Dave's like spin off, like post show, <laughs> uh, like his like talking dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, half, half thoughts. So if I were a carpenter is a 1967 song by Tim Harden, famously covered by many artists, including Johnny Cash. So what this song is basically saying is, will you love me if I have a blue-collar job, like an average schmo? Yeah, but you know who had a blue-collar job? Jesus? <laughs> he did. Jesus. Yeah, well, so... Well, how- actually, his dad and him. God. God <laughs> no, had his, a blue-collar... Human, I think his, God's in the 1%. His human dad. <laughs> um, oh, his human... Who is his human dad? Uh, Joseph. J- Jacob? <laughs> Joseph, right? I don't know the Bible very well. Uh, don't fact check me next well it is funny because it's like it's sort of we've talked about this before with like their lyrics that imply things but then aren't those things it's like you mention a carpenter in a song you can't be like you can't play dumb and be like do you know being there right you saw that movie is that with john malkovich (laughs) no that's being john malkovich then no (laughs) that's a movie that has this like i won't spoil it but there's like this very uh very 
a blatant Jesus reference. Mm -hmm. And I, I read like about the, after I saw the movie, I read like the director being like, oh, that's not that at all. We just thought of that that day and thought it'd be fun. And I'm like, when that happens, I'm just like, yeah, but you must have known, right? Like that right, people, would, head in the sand. people would think that. So, so perhaps there is a, a, there is like a biblical, you know, it does make the song, yeah. when you do that in a song, it makes the songs feel bigger, you know, bigger than life. Well, you, I mean, you could be a lot of blue collar things. You could have said if I was a garbage man, you know? Well, but so then there's the reference to the, the song. But oh, are you talking the about song, the original song? I'm talking about both. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, well, it's not, maybe it's not as poor to be like, if I was a garbage man. Well, we just watched, me and Kristen watched the, my girlfriend, Kristen, we watched The Day the Earth Stood Still, and in that... Seen it? Yeah, the alien is named, like, Carpenter, whatever the fuck, right? He's named, like, J. John Carpenter? Christ. Yeah, his name's John Carpenter. Yeah. There's a lot of Jesus references. I don't think that's true. <laughs> There's a lot of Jesus references yeah. in the, in that movie, and, and it's very intentional. The Keanu is, Reeves one, right? Yeah. <laughs> in that case, you know, like, Carpenter is just kind of like a, it's, you know, it's a signal to people i feel like you're i mean i feel bad for carpenters they're probably just like hey i'm just here to <laughs> to fix you you fix your pipes <laughs> that's what they do right no. yeah i'm just here to fix your carpet is that what they do they do <laughs> no that's carpent carp carpenters <laughs> i'm mixing up carpenters and carpenters he's like hey i'm just here to fix up your the stuff that i the carpenters do i'm not uh, gonna heal your wounds or fix your child who was cancer or whatever <laughs> what do you what, what do you think i am I'm just a carpenter. Those people really let and everybody down. Would you love me if I was? So I think it's funny that guy's like, and if you were a lady, like the girl he's with, he's like, yeah. you're a piece of shit. Yeah, if you're like, hey, <laughs> what the she, fuck? She's like, I am a lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you jerk. So why? So I guess th this this begs our question number. This is so. This is the third reference to popular oh, music. I'm very tired. Go in, ahead. In this song alone, and the song's not even like half done. So. If I why reference the song if I were a carpenter and to me the reason is not so much the literal uh, topic of that song though I could be I could be missing something mm -hmm. probably am but just to again push the the sub narrative that this is about songs mm -hmm. that's what I think is happening again I could be wrong that's what I think is happening sort of like with mainstream USA like I'm mentioning songs because it's about songs look I had no theory so I'm not gonna argue. They call him No Theory Dave. They call me Half Thought. So anyway, let, let's continue. Uh, now that we didn't cr uh, crack that reference, yeah. if I were a carpenter, I'd hammer on my piglet. We got to, every line we got to talk. This is why this is, I takes Googled so long. I piglet because I thought it was something else. And it was, it's not, I'm like, this has to mean something else. Is this like a carpenter's tool? So it's just he's, literally hammering on a little baby pig. Well, so he's talking about a piggy bank, obviously, like the old... The old uh, cartoonish uh, little Dennis the Menacey thing of why, why obviously of a boy maybe he's hammering on a pig of a boy like breaking his piggy bank with a hammer and collecting the money inside and buying a thing that he wants. This again kind of brings to mind the throw the crib door wide. It's like something a little kid would do. I'm sorry, a little kid keeps a piggy bank. I have to disagree. Not think, an adult. I think he's just smashing a pig with a hammer. Well, so I the, think he's a fucking psycho. Okay, so this well, this is what we're talking about. So. He, instead of the lyrics saying, right. I'd hammer on my piggy bank, <laughs> which by the way, I think would fit pretty well in the meter, but hammer on my piggy bank. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's saying hammer on my piglet, which is sad and violent and upsetting. I mean, mm -hmm. at least for, for me, maybe some people are like, yeah, fucking kill those. Little. And then he'd collect the set. This, this is such a dense verse. My God. And I'd collect the $7 and 
all I think about is the Cape Fear uh, yeah, clip yeah. we played where he's just like, $7. That made me like have a mini TMPG stroke. I went, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we want to... Oh. I was going to ask you about your face. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. It's Why is it so good? There's just... It, it's like, this is kind of what I mean about everything's like falling on top of each other. So you've got the If I Were a Carpenter reference. So is the only reason he wants to be a carpenter because he will finally have a hammer? <laughs> To break a piggy bank and get seven measly dollars from? That's the other thing that's funny. Why does... You don't need to be a carpenter like to only, own a hammer. only a carpenter has access to hammers? Exactly. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's like absurd. This is an absurd song. My word. <laughs> John Linnell, <laughs> what are you talking about? I take you to task. Be less absurd. This might... You know, if we were to do like a countdown of like some of the densest verses in a They Might Be Giant yeah. song, this is one of them, I feel. I feel like... That you that's why I have a headache. You can't <laughs> unpack this. Uh, he, you had a headache when, and all the, every day. <laughs> and life. So so then he goes... Or maybe because yesterday collect, was New Year's Eve. <laughs> collect the $7 and I'd buy a big prosthetic forehead and wear it on my real head. So this is my theory and I'm actually surprised how little I've seen this online and among fans. I'm not. I think you're a smart boy. <laughs> and a good boy. I believe he wants a prosthetic forehead because... He took the rock with a string on it and spun it around like a yo-yo <laughs> and smacked himself in his yeah. noggin, in his little baby his noggin. Little dumb baby face. Yeah. So so now follow me here. And then, you know, we're going to wrap this up soon, but follow me here. He smacks himself in the head. Now he wants a prosthetic head to cover up his horrible scar. <laughs> and then this takes us to verse one. Where was I? I forgot the point that I was making. Damn. Perhaps because he has brain damage from hitting himself in the head with a rock. And then you wow. find yourself in this perpetual loop. A snake eating its own tail. Yes. See, Dave knew what I was saying. So you've got themselves in this loop. He hits himself. He hits himself in the Calm head. down. <laughs> he hits himself in the head with a rock. He forgets what the hell he was doing, and then he buys another rock and just keeps doing it and covering it up with prosthetic forehead. Then he hits himself in the forehead again, damages the prosthetic forehead, then does it again until he's got like eighty prosthetic foreheads covering up the scars on his head. And this is the nightmare of a John Linnell <laughs> song that we're all trapped in. Wow! People, wake up! So the next song. <laughs> I mean, I got to say, if that's not what it is. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> I, I have to give credit where credit's due. That is a very good yeah. analysis. Yeah. See, you are a smart boy. <laughs> Honestly, just, folks, that's the bulk of it. I mean. I just wanted to say really quick, this was yeah, the first yeah. song I can recall in memory mm. um, that was shared between me and my wife. This song was on her laptop in her dorm room. Did you like cut it in half yeah. with King Solomon? <laughs> And uh, I was like, oh, you, you like They Might Be Giants? Oh, wow. And uh, she was like, yeah, I like this song. Um, That's crazy. It was definitely this song. The only thing I can't remember 100%, I know she mislabeled the song. I was asking her today if she remembered what she called the song. Okay. We're pretty sure she called it Prosthetic Forehead. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, that was also the first Academy going, you know, that's not the name of the song. And... You know, <laughs> welcome to my life. Al already correcting starting, people yeah, about they might be giants. already starting to annoy yeah. her about it. it she makes had to retype it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just thought that was a fun little tidbit. That's that's beautiful. Um, I love when Dave tells share stories about his his love life. The other thing is there is a song by Green Day called Prosthetic Head, hmm. which, you know, I think it was a single. Actually, I doubt highly that it had anything <laughs> yeah. to do with this song. Yeah. But I think it's funny. The idea of prosthetic heads 
is yeah. uh, more universal than one might think. Yeah, well, it, it comes up in a lot of They Might Be Giants uh, things, and it is weird that, it, yeah, it's a strange, there's something very upsetting about the idea. We watch the movie In Fabric, and there's a lot of mannequin heads and weirdness with that. It's a weird horror movie that I, I recommend. Um, that was sort of a comedy, too. But yeah, there's like a motif in that with just like fake faces and heads and just... You should watch it, Taurus Trap. It's like the same thing. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it never ceases to work. Like the anytime the camera cuts to like a weird mannequin face, I'm just like, oh, oh. yeah, no. <laughs> it just always, it always works. Um, the only last point I want to make about this song is a quick musical thing. In my opinion, uh, this song has a sinister harmony happening under the harmony that Linnell is doing. Foreheads on their real heads. Everybody wants prosthetic foreheads on their real heads. Throw the crypto wide. Let the people crawl inside. Someone in this town is trying to burn the playhouse down. They want to stop the ones who want prosthetic foreheads on their heads. But everybody wants prosthetic foreheads on their Next song. The the lead oh, sorry. <laughs> the lead vocal, you know, everybody wants a rock to. And under it, Linnell's doing this very low Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody wants a rock to. And to me it's like an intentional like Kind of like like subliminal, you know, the song and the concept. Or maybe that's the guy that's just like so brain damaged he can't yeah. emote anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so we want to rock and we want to, to go move on to, to track ten and continue talk this over each other terrifying and... <laughs> journey yep. through <laughs> flood with. It doesn't have to be terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrified. So Dave, what's the next song? The next song is, I think. <laughs> Someone keeps moving my chair. Someone keeps moving my chair. Well, that's inconvenient. So something interesting about this song, if you look on the the, the TMBW page for it, um, it has like on the, the Flood album, there was that sticker that says like featuring the singles or whatever, featuring the song. Yeah. You know how they do that? This and it has like Birdhouse. And this was the third one. Someone keeps moving my chair. I don't think this is a single. See, oh, we disagree. I think this is like a big, could be a big 80s hit. Like I love the sound. To me, this sounds like an '80s song, and like, it does sound like maybe an 80s not song. in a good way, but <laughs> the way I don't know if it's a single though. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I find it fascinating that it was proposed to be a single. You know, I mean, I like it. Yeah. Do you think it's because <laughs> the chorus is mon so monotonous? Like, eh, eh. Yeah, I don't eh. think that would ever be on the radio. <laughs> I don't know. And the lyrical content. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but uh, I, I do think the sound of it. It's got these like big '80s. It's kind of like synthy guitars. It's almost cheesy. I think the sounding. verses could be pretty pop. Wouldn't you have loved to see like a music video for this if they got around to it? If I'd imagine the they'd third. be sitting in chairs. Oh my god! Do you think a chair them. would even be in the the video? <laughs> hmm. They might be like, oh, it's too Turn on the nose. Yeah, yeah. Well, they sat in chairs in other videos. <laughs> They've been like done that. 
What if they had beds? It'd be crazy. They do sit on chairs a lot in their videos. I like that. I think that's the way to go. Me, me and Dave, we're gonna we're gonna do an episode about their music videos someday <laughs> soon. Maybe an, as an in between thing when we're when I'm too exhausted from the albums. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say me and Dave will sit in chairs one day and, and just we, relax. We will sit in chairs while we do it. Um, you guys didn't know we stand while we do this. Right? We we did not just stand. I'm on Dave's shoulders. Um, so anyway, let's, let's go into this song. Um, so I wrote this note about it. I, I said, kind of sounds like corporate training video music. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, you be like, oh, this is how you are an effective worker at Pizza Hut or whatever. I kind of like, I don't know if that's, I almost worry I'm like insulting the music. Though. <laughs> Probably. There's this quality to it that feels like a little cheesy and a little like corporate-y. And to me, similar with, um, we want to rock. I feel like this song touches on these topics too. And I don't know if this, I'm surprising Dave by saying this. I don't know. Well, I guess I'll ask Dave. What, well, do you ever know if I'm surprised? <laughs> He's stone faced Dave. Yeah. What do you think of this song? I like it. I told you I liked it. <laughs> what do you think it's about? I think it's just about someone that uh, is very self involved and self important and likes to um, impose upon other people and is not aware of it. Would you agree? Well, let's put up the lyrics. Let me uh, okay. let me solidify that. Well, the lyrics are in the third person. So he's telling you a story. It's in quotes. When he says, someone keeps moving my chair, That's this is important. <laughs> that is in quotes. So the narrator is a third person narrator. I love the face of someone reading They Might Be Giants lyrics. <laughs> it's a pleasure in life. All right. Well, his name is Mr. Horrible, first of all. Probably not a good guy. <laughs> probably, probably the first clue. Um, and I, uh. I feel like he's doing stuff to people yeah. his whole life. Other people are like, how can we get back at this guy? Right? Oh, you think Mr. Horrible? See, I always saw him as a victim, but that's a good point. I mean, he is Mr. Horrible. Well, then he'd be Mr. Victim, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, he would be. Yeah. <laughs> and then even in trying to get back at him, nothing bothers him except something that nobody cares about, which is like maybe his chair was moved two inches, you know? Yeah, yeah. But they can't. They can't pull that prank on him because that's not a prank, you know. <laughs> it's like I hear what you're saying, but but then I still go to like, but what is, but but what is it all? What is the purpose? You know, like I think you did a good job of summing up like the weird contradictions mm -hmm. in the song. But then, like, what's going on here? Well, let's get into it. I'm okay. sure I'm wrong. So, well, let's refer to the songwriter, um, the guy who writes all their songs. Mr. Joe, no, uh, John Linnell wrote this song, and I have uh, two quotes from him. One is, one is written down, and it, he says, it's a song that notes the exaggerated importance of petty concerns when everything else is going haywire, which I have to admit happens sometimes even in my usually peaceful household. Hmm. So I think he's Mr. Horrible, first of all. Well, so it does tie to what you yeah, said. I mean, that still can denote someone who's, you know, not a great person. Yeah, and then... Here's why I think the song is pretty autobiographical, and here this is this is a, a clip of Linnell very briefly discussing the song on uh, an MTV show. Uh, questions, my God. Next question. question, Marcel. Yes, economics and politics. Uh, some, you bet. Some, yeah, yeah, I bet. Good. So someone keeps moving my chair, and and minimal wage. Are these polit politi political or social songs? Well, yeah. Yes and no. Mm -hmm. uh, minimum wage, yes. Someone keeps moving my chair, no. Uh huh. It's, it's quite a heavy social statement, though, but this businessman, Mr. Horrible, yeah. who has to do with all this ugliness all yeah. the time. Yeah, that's more of a, like a personal discomfort song. Uh -huh. Minimum wage is more like our job experience. Yeah. Mm. So, 
personal discomfort. I, I think if you were to, if Linnell had an autobiography, <laughs> that would be the name of it. Mine too, I think. I mean, the only thing I get, I definitely get that aspect of it, but to call the guy Mr. Horrible, you know, if you're, if you're someone that suffers from discomfort, I wouldn't say you're a horrible person. I guess I wonder what's the source of the horrible. Is it because he does horrible things or just because he sees himself as like a horrible piece of shit, which I can certainly relate to. I mean, I guess to your point, if he knew he was horrible and called himself that, he probably isn't as bad as everybody else thinks he is. Yeah, yeah. He, maybe he's re- repenting. But didn't... Repenting. I feel like other people named him that, though. <laughs> yeah. I also want to just briefly say, like, th- this really ties to, like, person man, triangle man, mm-hmm. Mr. Horrible ugliness men like yeah. this is like a thing on this album <laughs> this is just a Linnell thing where he's it's kind of these stand-ins for types of things in life yeah. types of people maybe his horribleness like ripples out and makes other people become horrible too in retaliation because when they, even when they're like is this horrible is this horrible like taste of your own medicine huh I like in that clip we listened to he, he calls it a businessman and I can definitely see that because he says telephone call for sure like I feel like you're either like a doctor or like a person in an office who else or would, a carpenter or a carpenter who like you know why else would someone be getting this phone call and I, and this to me kind of kind of ties into like my other theory I, have a, I also have a theory about this song it's an, a curious line well, businessmen uh, are terrible something so. unpleasant has spilled on his brain as he sponges it off they say this is this kind of ties what i said about is he horrible because he's doing horrible things or is he just it's something unpleasant is always on his brain mm-hmm. I, I really feel like this is an autobiographical one yeah. to me it really evokes a lot of like personal negative feelings that people could relate to if, if they kind of see through the craziness of the lyrics. But look, there's some horrible business left for him to attend to. Yeah. What is yeah. he going to go do, Jordan? I don't know. Maybe Something he's, horrible. you know, in like every like Batman, like Bruce Wayne story, there's like the bad version of Bruce Wayne. There's like this evil business guy who's like, yeah. I'm going to turn Gotham into a theme park. It's like, that feeling- doesn't sound that bad. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, I guess like Joker would like that. But the theme park will cost too much. <laughs> yeah, like Dave was saying, the ugliness men are like, is this horrible? Is this horrible? They're not sure. And he goes, we're just trying to bug you. They're not even trying to like torture him. They're mm. just trying to annoy him. That's what I love about this song is the stakes are very small. <laughs> we thought our dreadfulness might be a thing to annoy you with. And Mr. Harble says, I don't mind. The thing that bothers me is someone keeps moving my chair. It's, it's, Dave just shrugged. Uh, I don't know if you heard that. Yeah, it's a weird concept. The concept is like this weird comedic thing where it's just like, wouldn't it be funny if a bunch of scary, gross people were annoying you, but you didn't care because of your own, you have some own like personal obsession with this other thing going on? Like it's, it's really a weird idea to say the least. Oh, just to talk a little bit about the music before we move on. I love the guitar in this song. I love whatever the hell Flansbury's doing. Uh, you know what I mean? It's a, during like the pre-chorus kind mm. of. It's got a delay on it. He's kind of picking it kind of. It's almost like a jangly kind of REM-ish. Like, it's just this really cool thing that um, you don't hear in a lot of the other songs. There's a certain style to it that this is why I thought it could be an 80s hit. Yeah, it, I it's it. got a, a polished quality. The other musical thing that I think is has always like tripped my brain up is what the percussion is doing during the chorus. 
yeah, what the kick and the hi-hat or tambourine or whatever that is, is doing during the chorus. I used to always try to like play along with my hands and like never got it. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's in seven eighteenths time. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I always thought that was like a really interesting arrangement. And and yeah, the, there, there's two guitar parts I like. There's the one in the in the verses that's like this little climb on the guitar that Flansburg does. And then there's one, like I said, in the pre-chorus, you know, there's this like, it's kind of like XTC ish or something. It's just Mm -hmm. like a really cool part. That's to me, uncharacteristic of the band. They're usually kind of more abrasive, (laughs) especially Flansburg's playing. Would you mind if we balance this glass of Would you mind if we balance this glass of milk? I just want to say, I think it's interesting that two albums in a row, Linnell has the lyric, glass of milk. He likes his lactose. Uh, where your visiting friend accidentally was killed. So I, I love this line. <laughs> this to me is like surrealism. Surre- this is surrealism 101. If a, if a dear friend w- was visiting you and, and was killed, mm-hmm. and then some asshole is like, put a glass of milk there mm. as a as a taunt <laughs> i just think that's like a great line that's a, one of those lines where it's like i don't think another band has written a line like this i think that's a safe bet yeah um would it be okay with you if we wrote a reminder of things we'll forget to do today otherwise using a green green magic marker if it's all right on the back of your head yeah these are irritating things that uh, people <laughs> would do mr horrible mr horrible we're not done with you yet mr horrible you have to try on You have to try on these pants so the ugliness men can decide if they're just as embarrassing as we think. We have to be sure about this. So this is why I think this is autobiographical. And this is my kind of vague theory about this song. Mm-hmm. I think this is another major label song where there's there. I feel like, you know, when a major label is just like, oh, you got to dress up for this sure. photo shoot. Like yeah, put yeah. on these, put on these pants in this suit, John Linnell and John Flansburg. And like, I feel like this comes from experience. That to me is the line that's the most like personal, <laughs> personal discomfort, as he said. Like that to me is the line that it, like kind of clues me in a little. Do you um, guys ever spend any time talking about what you're going to wear on stage? Yeah, you, sometimes we talk about... What are you implying? Well, you always look to me like you've just rolled out of bed, and that's not a bad look, <laughs> well, but I, I long to see you one time come on stage it, in Elvis gear or in a yeah, jumpsuit. Yeah. You guys in Lycra would be a treat. For the ladies. (laughs) And some gentlemen. Um, uh, You know, we sometimes wear suits on stage, which looks really sharp, but it's... But But it still looks like we've just rolled out of bed. I tell you, Lycra. I think we have kind of that, like, eight-year-old boy, you know, in church kind of problem, which is, you know, we just feel really itchy. I think I think that line is about how Linnell doesn't like to be told what to wear or what to dress, and that maybe when maybe he had an anxiety about. Yeah. And I, I again, I'm projecting all this. This is utter nonsense. Don't listen to this show. Um, yeah, like maybe when he joined a major label like Elektra, he was started to have anxiety. Oh, are we gonna have to like change our image? Are we gonna have to do anything we don't want to do? To me, the song is about people trying to make you do things you don't want to do, or annoy you, or change how you do things, and and. 
I don't know. The the joke is that what really bothers you is these like small personal things. I just had another wild theory that popped into my head. Oh, I love it. While I was looking at the lyrics. What if this guy is in hell? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he was a bad person all his life. That's why his name is Mr. Horrible. And this sort of team oh, like of demons, demons is kind of testing <laughs> demons. out. Demons. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Like which punishment exactly will torture him the best. Oh, my God. I like that a lot. And the only thing that works is this really small, subtle thing. Yeah. Because if you look at that, I mean, that kind of ties into the, you know, the idea that we don't know who is the victim and who is the (laughs) perpetrator. Yeah. Well, in hell, everyone's just like a jerk. Yeah. Though I always thought hell was a weird thing because when I was like little and stuff, I always be like, well, but if they're, if the devil is punishing bad people. I've been saying this for 40 (laughs) years. Yeah. If he's punishing bad people, isn't he good? Don't yep. we like the devil? Yes. Why do we not like the devil? Don't be like the devil. I don't understand the... I've never understood I think that. he's good. Is it because he tries to trick innocent people into going yeah, to hell? When does, well, that never happened, isn't though. That a, isn't that a projection? <laughs> Show me the evidence. It's just like, oh, someone tempted me. Really? You also were born of free will. Yeah. So what if someone tempted you? Don't do it. Yeah, I just don't get, like, what, aren't, shouldn't we on team, be, shouldn't we be on team devil? Like, if this is the guy punishing Hitler for the rest of his life, you're going to tell me you dislike him? Throw him a parade! <laughs> He's better than God. God's not doing anything. And all the demons. <laughs> same deal. I want to, like, come out right now. Satan is better <laughs> than God. Please make this hashtag... <laughs> and I mean, these little demons, I imagine they're just, like, little demons. I don't uh, know why. Ugliness men, yeah. Um... Yeah. I, I'm 100% on the same page as you, Dave. You don't have but to explain. And they're like, you know, the blue collar guys of hell. So they deserve even the more carpenters. They're the carpenters. Yeah. They're really trying to, you know, do all the stuff that, you know, maybe devil can't get to everything. You know, he yeah. just gets the high profile cases. Do you call him devil or the I'm devil? I'm on a first name basis. <laughs> his, his name is devil. <laughs> yes. It's like the, people say the watchman, which drives me fucking crazy. It's D. Do you know everyone's D calling? Devil Snyder. Everyone is calling the HBO show The Watchmen yeah. when it's like, okay, fine. No one reads comics. You get the name wrong. I get it. But it's a popular show on HBO and they're still getting the name wrong. The show is called Watchmen. I saw like a million people still well, call it The Watchmen. People call Frankenstein's monster Frankenstein. I think we should all just agree to call him <laughs> Frankenstein from now on, but that's just my opinion. That's the doctor's name. Yeah. He was Dr. Frankenstein. The monster is just called The Monster. Hence. Yeah, but that's a shitty name. He didn't have a name. <laughs> he should have a name. He was a monster. Frankenstein Jr. <laughs> Frankie. Just call him Daniel D. Snyder. So anyway, uh, so th- th- to me, this song. What were you talking about? <laughs> I, I just want to say, like, to me, this song is another extension of We Want to Rock. And it's, it's about the, the r- record label blues, uh, I'll call it. RBB, <laughs> RLB, <laughs> RLB. <laughs> wow. And, um. <laughs> Hey, I, just because I cut out all Dave's mistakes and leave in my own doesn't mean, you know. Anyway. Record Babel Blues. <laughs> Why do you think a green magic marker? I didn't know if that was too small to talk about. But, <laughs> On this show? But it did stick out to me. Yeah. The only thing I think of is, you know, jealousy. Yeah, jealousy. Or money, too. Money, green magic marker. Yeah, it's it's a strange choice. I guess it just fits the rhyme scheme or, or the not the rhyme scheme. It fits like the, the syllables. Yeah, it couldn't be like purple. Yeah, it could be blue. Using a blue magic, using a red, using could be a, a lot. green. 
<laughs> let's try let's try all the different versions yeah i don't know it's it's strange and also the idea of like writing on the back of someone's head is like this <laughs> thing that comes up a lot in their lyrics i feel or uh, maybe one other time but two is a lot like that's a, why i say a lot when it's only like two times like on the back of homer's head yeah <laughs> insert brain here exactly maybe that's a reference was a reference. I mean, I'm sure that came out after, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I, nobody uses a green magic marker. It's either black or red. So speaking of weird, specific, annoying little things <laughs> like someone moving your chair, mm -hmm. what would be what would be yours, Dave? What would be like the minor, tiny, distractingly annoying thing that would would uh, take up a lot of your headspace when it shouldn't? Uh, getting back pennies. <laughs> really? Yeah, I can't stand it. <gasps> wow. I think pennies should be eliminated. That's so interesting. I never would have guessed that because you're you love money. <laughs> I would rather throw a hundred pennies onto the street hmm. than change them in for a dollar. Where do you put your pennies? In the garbage. <laughs> well, word to people out there: go through Dave's garbage. Let's say you're buying something and it's like eight dollars and two cents, you know, and you give them like yeah, eight dollars, yeah, and they're just like either they're looking at you like where's the rest, or you give them like a ten dollar bill and they give you like. A dollar back and then 98 yeah. cents worth of coins. Yeah. It's insane. It is insane. There's a Janine Garofalo bit about... <laughs> she stole it from me. No, she one time said like, she just, she's like one time she was when she was at the supermarket or something and she had a penny change and she was just like, oh, keep it. And she's just <laughs> like, oh, thank you. <laughs> like, like, what are you supposed to feel in those moments? I don't know. For me, I think of like, you know, when you're leaving your apartment and you're going down the elevator and like someone else is coming on and you're just like, the irrational anger I feel... <laughs> towards people who are just using the elevator as they should in their own building that I also live in. But like when it starts stop, you know, I live on the sixth floor. So when it's going down and it's going, then it stops sure. at like the fourth floor in my head. I'm just like, die. <laughs> like it's so, it's horribly unfair. Well, you know, it's worse than that when you're going up and somebody gets off at the second floor. Oh my it's God. Like, come on. Well, see, that's a person that's doing something wrong. But then uh, let's before we get letters, let's assume <laughs> they're of perfect health and yeah, yeah, yeah. they're able to walk up a flight of stairs. It's walk just, up a flight. It's just selfish. Yeah. It's rude. Yeah. It's unforgivable. They should go in with all those pennies in the gutter and just live in the sewer with a bunch of pennies like the assholes they are. What do you rate this song? I, I really love the song. I'd say this is one of my favorites on Flood. It's funny because I, I feel like with John Linnell, there's too many great songs. And yeah. it's like, it's like if it was me, uh, you know, it's like this song would be in every show. This would be like the huge deal because it's so great. But I give it 92 out of 100. That seems about right. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's really it's really good. And it's, it's good. weird because it's it's mainly ignored outside of them doing flood shows. But at the same time, you understand why, because there's too many songs. Well, it was going to be the hit single. So it is interesting to me that Someone Keeps Moving My Chair was a, maybe going to be the third single after Istanbul. What would you have chosen instead if you don't think this is a single? We Want to Rock. Yeah, I, that, works, that works for me too. I think this one is too, I feel like this one does fit like the 80s, well, it's not the 1990, but you know what I mean. This does fit, yeah, fit like the, under the wire. style of songs at the time. And, you know, okay. <laughs> That's enough. Uh...
Okay. Oh, wait, one more thing I want to mention really quick. Back in the old news group days, mm-hmm. there was uh, a big controversy because the they left the lyrics they left say. they left some, yeah they left some of the lyrics out of this song on, mm-hmm. in the liner notes so fans for when trying to um have a official you know lyrics for every song online there was a big fight that i remember about is it these pants or this pants and i remember sitting at my keyboard being like what kind of a crazy person would think it's this pants and those people were like just <laughs> listen to how Linnell says it he's saying this pants but that's grammatically incorrect. And then there was all these fights about if that's grammatically incorrect or not. And it was insane. So now the next song, Hearing Aid. going to talk about hearing aid um i have a lot of stuff for this song this is a special song i don't know why it just is okay good you talk um, well dave and go before i go what what do you think of hearing aid <laughs> what would you have a, an opinion i like it i think it's a fun lazy song <laughs> yeah it's about me and dave's passion which is being lazy laziness i have a couple things to say too okay great but i like when you talk first i'll, I'll go first so People, I've tried very hard to find what that sample at the beginning was. Um, this is what I, I'll, I'll take you through my little journey, even though I didn't get an answer. Hold on, let me curl up. Yeah, <laughs> like a like a dying uh, <laughs> cockroach. I meant more like a cat at the oh, at your feet. I guess, yeah. Um, but I like you see me as a dying cockroach. Go ahead. <laughs> um, <laughs> so first of all, uh, this is a sample that is like it's played backwards and forwards and I'll, I will play you the backwards version now because you hear, this is the thing. So what you hear in the song is your mercy. Mm-hmm. If you play it backwards, you get another little second of the sample. Interesting. And let's listen to that. I'd like to hear that for a dollar. Okay. Well, what was that? He goes, your mercy. Uh, this is my theory. I think he's about to say, Lord, your mercy, Lord. Mm-hmm. I found... Yep, t- another God reference. <laughs> yeah. I found two hymns that have the words, your mercy, Lord, in them. What? H-Y-M-M. That's right. Okay. <laughs> not not men. <laughs> not men that had a hymn, uh, that had a song in them. Um, so... Clarifying. One of them is called... In your mercy, Lord. And I, I, I'll play a clip. Sounds like that's the one. Possibly. I, I think it might be the other one, though. But l- let's, play, let's play a clip. Uh, that's what I meant to say. Not that one. <laughs> In your mercy, Lord. In your mercy, Lord, you call me. 
So now, do you think that's the, you, can you can you like splice that out and be like, is he going? Your mercy. Like, to me, the melody doesn't quite fit in the way he sings it. This one, so this uh, the second one is called "Remember Your Mercy, Lord," and and let's let's listen to a little bit of that. Here's here's a, a nice lady <laughs> singing <laughs> singing this song. I suspect it might be this one. Um, Your mercy, Lord. Maybe that guy is in the middle of singing that. I don't know. I have no idea. These are my theories. If anyone knows where that sample's from, I'm aware that you could just ask Flansburg on the Tumblr, but to me, that's cheating. <laughs> why, and, why don't we do that? <laughs> because if I did that, then he'd answer it, and then everyone would know, and then I, I didn't find it out uh, exclusively. Maybe after the episode drops, yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> yeah. So... This this is my theory. Is it's those two songs? I want to. Uh, I when I was looking up stuff about this, uh, uh, some of this guy we know, yeah. a friend of ours, yeah, Nathan. Uh, he he had a post on the old TMBG News Group years ago, being like, mm-hmm. "Oh, perhaps it's connected to the Rabbit Child sample." And I was like, "That does sound really mm. similar." Yeah, yeah. And it's also something we like never didn't talk about in the Rabbit Child episode. But whatever. Um, That's not my recollection of it. But go on. Really? Did we talk about I don't it? Know. <laughs> well, I guess what I mean is I don't recall spending hours trying to find it the way I do now because it was a different show a little bit. Back it was then. a simpler time, folks. <laughs> yeah. So that's my theory about the the sample is that it's from some re- religious religious hymn. I think that he's about to say Lord. So wow, there's a lot. Now, what does that have to do with the song? Though? Okay, <laughs> why a religious hymn? I, well, let's. Well, maybe we'll circle back. Is there a reason? The riff in the song, uh, it's like this very silly fake trumpet, <laughs> which like we've talked about before. Like the choices to make something fake. Like we know they have a real trumpet player. Yeah, yeah. Which we'll definitely talk about for when, like whistling in the dark and stuff. So like they have access to real trumpet players, but for me, like. I don't know. The song just sounds more lazy <laughs> with like the knowing, you know, they just did it on a little keyboard rather than having a, cause there's something very alive about a trumpet player. There's something very exuberant and like exciting about a trumpet. Cause you're like, just like pushing all that air really, you know, powerfully and quick, you know, to make those noises. Right. That's how trumpets work. I, I think. think so. Um, I think that's the technical term. Yeah. So like just, I, I, you know, I think it's, it's one of those like in, intentionally fakey, fake, fake things is to have like mm-hmm. the fake trumpet riff. Um, there is some cool like live versions from like the eighties or whatever, when Flansburg is like doing it, like wailing on the guitar. And I think it's like mm-hmm. kind of an awesome version of the song. The first line of the song <laughs> is frosty, the supervisor. And I would be Remiss. I, remiss, thank you, if I did not mention that it is most likely a reference to Frosty the Snowman. And do you know who Frosty the Snowman is, Dave? He's that guy that killed all those people, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, but then they took that guy and they, they wrote a song about him. Can and- you believe they wrote a celebrated song about the world's most vicious serial killer? You guys didn't know that was the original origin of that, right? I mean, he was called Frosty because he like put his victims in a cooler, carried them around town. He was called the snowman because he was like cold as ice. Yeah. So anyway, Frosty the Snowman. Uh, Listen, if you don't like the truth, then just turn off the episode. Frosty the Snowman was a jolly happy soul. 
With a corncob pipe and a button nose And two eyes made out of coal Frosty the snowman made the children laugh and play Were they surprised before their eyes he came to life that day? So Frosty the Snowman is written by Walter Jack Rollins and Steve Nelson and it was first recorded by Gene Autry and the Cass County Boys in 1950. So this is a great, uh, this is a thing Flansburg does very well. Uh, he's taking this pop culture thing and turning it uh, depressing <laughs> and like <laughs> miserable. So Flansburg is, is referencing Frosty the Snowman. And, and to me, this ties into the snowman uh, motifs of their early albums. It's a pretty sad story. He fucking melts. But he'll be back again someday. Yeah, I'm sure. I've heard that. I've heard that before. Whoa, Dave's... Just going out for a pack of smokes, right? Frosty the Snowman is the deadbeat dad of the Christmas jingle world. That's true. So Fro Is it a Christmas song or just a No, snow it technically song? it's not a Christmas song. Yeah, when, when else is it snow? February. It could be a February song. All right, fuck you. <laughs> um, so Frosty the supervisor lives by himself. Sometimes I feel sorry for him. Usually I can't. So Dave. Mm-hmm. I'm here for you. Um, <laughs> in my view, he's comparing his supervisor at his job mm -hmm. to Frosty the Snowman as a as a kind of an indirect, almost indirect way of being like he's a cold-hearted son of a bitch, mm -hmm. right? And this to me ties to the to the dead snowman theme in their previous uh, previous albums. You know, this kind of just like he this is this was just like a soulless person who's telling me what to do at this and all job. The, the working man lyrics that Flansburg has had before, like uh, that other song, Puppet Head, and uh, what was the other one? <laughs> Alienations for the Rich. So I have one theory. Um, remember on that list that Bill Krause gave us of the rare songs from the eighties, there was a song called Boss Don't Like Me. Oh, you think hearing aid yes. might be this that song because it's kind of a similar Never idea. Know. You know, people ask us what our songs are about a lot and where we find them. Um, this next song yeah! is a very personal song. It's about really, really, really hating your boss. So I guess this is just something that came to us. It's not a real universal kind of expression. It's just our personal boss-hating trip. This song is called Hearing It. So, yeah, I think it, it's a chance it could be Boss Don't Like Me, or maybe Boss Don't Like Me was an early version, or maybe they're just both songs about hating your boss. Or maybe that was an early version of You're Not the Boss of Me. Yeah. <laughs> This is a song about hating your boss, hating your job, but it's it's definitely doing it in a way that's weird and interesting with a lot of dense uh, ideas. I've turned off my hearing aid. Don't say the electric chair's not good enough for king lazy folks like myself. So I've turned off my hearing aid is the chorus. And what I assume is he's turned off his hearing aid while his boss is like telling him to do something, which means he's a bad employee <laughs> or it's a bad boss or both. Right. Maybe um, this is Mr. Horrible. Yeah. Well, yeah, these songs, we're going to see the songs on the second half of Flood really fit together yeah, really I, well. It's, I feel that. It's kind of strange. Felt. I almost wish they were all, we're all in one episode so we can all really track that, but we're just not enough time. Yeah. But, but if you binge it. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They'll be all in one um, episode to you. The next line is, don't say the electric chair is not good enough for king lazy bones like myself. Okay. So this is kind of crazy. Okay. Um, I'm ready for The it. reference that he's saying, so it's a saying, don't say the electric... The saying is the electric chair is too good for you. Do you know that saying? Possibly. It's not so much a saying as it is a quote from the mother of one of Ted Bundy's victims. Cheery. So this is what Flansburg is referencing. And this is from a news report about Ted Bundy's trial. I'm just bracing myself. And this is like one of the mothers. Wow. And it, I will say this is a little upsetting, but this is what Flansburg's referencing. So we have to, we have to go down these. So we're going to preface it by saying it's, it's, it's unpleasant. It's, a, it's, it's not, it's, uh, it's not as fun as uh, Frosty the Snowman. We're not, we're not in here come the <laughs> one, two, threes uh, territory. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think that's upsetting. Yeah, this is a little different <laughs> than the Frosty clip. So anyway, so here you go. It has come down to this, an emergency request to the U.S. Supreme Court for a stay of execution in the case of Theodore Bundy has been rejected this evening. The vote was five to four. Bundy is scheduled to die in Florida's electric chair tomorrow morning at 7. Indeed, Bundy's murders, those for which he is being executed, there are three, and at least 20 others to which he has confessed, have made his execution a rather popular event. These are just a few of Ted Bundy's victims, the dead and the living. For everything he did to the girls, the bludgeoning and the strangulation, humiliating their bodies, torturing them. I feel that the electric chair is too good for him. That is so depressing. So, so this is from, so here's, here's why this times out so well. And actually this negates my point about hearing aid being an older song. So maybe fuck that. So this is from January 23rd, 1989, mm -hmm. this newscast. And it was Ted Bundy set to be executed. You can find it on YouTube if you're a weirdo <laughs> like me. And, well, that could have been a line added in later. Yeah, you know? that's true. He could have added that in. So Ted Bundy... Maybe that was the last piece of puzzle he needed. Yeah. So the, the mother, I won't even say her name because it's weird, but the, one of the mothers said the electric chair is too good for him. And Flansburg is taking that line, which I, I think was in the public consciousness for a while when that newscast happened. Because back in the day, everyone used to watch the same four channels. Right. And right. we all kind of... This is how like... With no spin. It was just the news. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, it was not. They didn't opinion. even say Ted Bundy was a bad guy. They were just like, just the facts. <laughs> no opinions here. When she said that, like Ted Koppel was like, we do not uh, endorse uh, her quote. Yeah. yeah. So the idea that this saying, the electric chair is too good for you, for him, whatever, for her, <laughs> let's be fair, in the public consciousness in, in 1989. And then Flansburg takes that and puts that in a song about being lazy at your job. Now. Seems a little harsh. It's it's a really dark reference, and I truly love it because I'm I'm messed up. Yeah, didn't Flansburg use a Charles Manson quote for that other song? Yeah, um, <laughs> he, he did. What was it called? Yeah, <laughs> complete yeah. paranoia. We'll we'll discuss that song in, in in a future episode. But Dave is is right on the money. I remember listening to that song once at like four o'clock in the morning while I was just like <laughs> struggling to make deadline for something, and I was like, man, I'm feeling this song right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, it put me in a place. The other thing is he, he calls himself King Lazy Bones. Yeah. Now, Lazy Bones is just like this popular term that's been around since like the 1500s. I was looking that up. So mm. I, I was like, is this a reference to anything? There is a short story. Is the etymology of that that fucking kings would like skin their 
subjects and <laughs> make bone chairs out of them or something. Yes. Someone <laughs> keeps moving my bone chair. I feel like every etymology of words is always horrific. It's a, a scary thing. Um, so Lazy Bone's first use was in 1592. There is a story in 1867, a short story by Elizabeth Townbridge called The Enchanted Looking Glass. And it, one of the characters in it is someone named King Lazybones. Hmm. And it's kind of like a weird story that I st started reading and stopped halfway through because <laughs> it was like confusing me. But um, I don't. I wouldn't assume he's referencing that because it's very obscure and there's not even anything online about it except like one random thing that I found. Yeah, and he's never referred to obscure, obscure things. Yeah, maybe he is referencing Come it. on, Jordan. This <laughs> oh, isn't episode one. I'm sorry. Yeah, so so that's what's going so on. we got but, some dark stuff happening. Yeah, so the is chorus your, is very strange. And is the point here, I the, think. The, my other weird point I want to make, so I'm going to play this clip of, of an interview with Flansburg where he talks about one of his first jobs, which I think clues us into a, a few things in this song but also adds a weird spin to it. Then when I was in college, I actually started doing, I learned how to play the guitar in a, I was working in a parking lot in Washington, DC. And, uh, you know, it was like one of those little boxes, you know, I was there for six, hour, six hours a day. So instead of doing homework, I learned how to play the guitar. So your boss would just let you take a guitar to work? I didn't have a boss. You know, when you work in a parking lot, you're the only guy. I did, I, I would just, uh, I mean, I had a supervisor who would come around, but that's the beauty part of being... If you ever wonder why parking lot attendants are often high, it's because they only have a supervisor. It's a really good job, actually, for, Do you <laughs> for people who like to get high on the job. <laughs> so did they think... I mean, did people just leave cars there for weeks? A guy was murdered right behind my lot while I was on duty. So he mentions his supervisor, and he mentions a guy was murdered... While he was working, while he was being a King Lazybones at his job oh and not be securing the parking lot, <laughs> my theory, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, is that he's blending this Ted Bundy thing. It's all this mishmash, this Ted Bundy serial killer thing, electric chair, this guilt about someone being murdered while he was at his job mm. into this weird thing of like, <laughs> he's so lazy that it's causing like murders to happen. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And his, his, you know, the supervisor seems to be kind of like an absent character in the real life, but in the song, he's maybe he's putting blame on the supervisor. I don't know. He's he's like met, putting him in the song as this like cold, horrible person. The song might be also inspired by other jobs and bosses he's had, but I just thought this was like an interesting, uh, <laughs> wow, interesting thing, Dave. Um, do you have any other any thoughts about a hearing aid? What do you What do you think of that uh, vacuum cleaner sound in the middle too? Yeah, so Flansburg apparently called it a, a vacuum cleaner. I guess they sampled it. Uh, I think it's a really cool sound. I would I would like to hear more songs that have that. I think it's like a cool enough sound that it could like be the backdrop of like a whole song, not just like five seconds. Sounds like some King Lazy Bones would play, right? Yeah. A well, it's funny because I'm too lazy to vacuum. We mm. we bought a a robot vacuum because we we don't want to have to vacuum. <laughs> but I guess if you're at a, a job that you hate, you might have to vacuum. I think the vacuum kind of fits like the work environment that you know he's singing True. about. If he's really a blue collar kind of job thing. For me, boss, cause I'm not as messed up as I want to be. I turned off my hearing aid, don't say the electric chair. 
have another coffee reference. Drinking coffee. 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 More coffee for me. Yeah, more coffee for me, boss. Um, I quit coffee. Uh, this, I'm enjoying a the cup past right month. now. Yeah, I made Dave coffee with my $150 coffee maker that I bought a week before I had to quit coffee by my doctor's recommendation. Uh, you didn't have to quit. You'll, you're fine. I might have one once in a while. There was a funny thing in uh, the movie. Co- I watched the movie Coffee and Cigarettes a week after quitting coffee, which was a stupid idea. Hmm. Um, but there's a part where Tom Waits is talking to Iggy Pop. It's the best part. And he's like smoke and he like pulls out a cigarette and they, and, t- and like, they start going like, oh yeah, yeah, it's good thing I quit those. Like, yeah, it's good thing. Like ugly habit, horrible. And then Tom <laughs> Waits is like, you know, the thing is now that I quit, I could have one. <laughs> that's kind of how I feel about coffee. <laughs> I feel like now I'll have one once in a while and I won't feel, feel bad about it. Cause I'm not as messed up as I want to be Jordan. Yeah. What did you re- relate to that line? Yes. Are you not really? Okay. I love it. <laughs> you think coffee messes you up, but in a good way though. Yeah. I want to be more messed up. Yeah. I think, you know, they might be giants have said many times that a lot of the source of their inspiration is coffee. Yeah. Caffeine. Well, I've listened to you guys ever since I was a little kid, and I've always wondered what inspires your lyrics. They always seem kind of, you know, different well, from everybody else. Um, well, we have a lot of different evasive answers to that question, but the, the most popular one that we've come up with is coffee. We drink a lot of coffee. That's, that, and that's actually a true answer. That is, you know... We use coffee really... as a narcotic rather than just a, <laughs> sort of a, a, a pick-me-up. Right. You know? Me too, coffee made me really, you know, have a lot of brain activity and stuff. But you know what I think, though? I think um, I think then you crash and then your brain actually works worse. Well, I've then known- you just have more coffee. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just pure addiction at this point, so. I will say for anyone out there thinking of quitting coffee, I quit coffee and on the, I had two days in a row of horrible migraines and flu symptoms. I actually broke out in a sweat, got massively stomach sick and was bed bound for like, a whole day. Well, that sounds great. I'll quit right away. It was actually disturbing. But well, here's the thing. It made me realize that I should not have coffee because I'm like, if that's what that makes your body like depend on and and that severely, it scared me a little bit. So yeah, but I think if you keep it all contained all the time and it's like that episode of Simpsons where Mr. Burns goes to the doctor. Yeah, yeah. And he has all the diseases at once and they can't get through the door. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just do that. You can't can't, uh, take out anything from the equation. All right. Yeah. That's why I don't change anything about myself ever because <laughs> I'll just drop dead. More coffee for me, boss. Yeah. So, th- you know, this line I feel like isn't as dense as the rest of the song, but it is interesting that the idea is that like, you know, needing coffee to have any energy really fits with the lazy theme. You know, you can't, I mean, at my old job, I, it be really became a ritual of like getting a cup of coffee at the first thing like even if i had work to do <laughs> like i had things piled up and i'm just like oh, i'll be right back and there's this like yeah. deli next door that i would get coffee at and i i don't know are these things good or bad good. i don't know okay next that's solved so then it, the chorus happens again and then he goes because because <laughs> which is a really funny interesting idea which is that he's so lazy can't he's even finish his not sentence. finishing the lyrics of the song like he can't even explain himself it kind of reminds me of like when your boss catches you being a bad employee and you you're trying to explain and you're just like you're right i've never done that i'm great i've i've done that a lot i've been a bad employee because <laughs> i hate work i hate working jobs so it's like there have been times where it was like oh how do you not uh, know this thing by now but how to do this and I don't have an excuse and I'm just mm. like oh because <laughs> like that's that's what I think of with that part of the song 
We've talked about that uh, guitar solo as even that's an example of being lazy. It's sort of a very lazy guitar. It solo. sounds like somebody, uh, and we'll talk about who, kind of not even trying. <laughs> uh, but what's actually cool about it? So the guitar solo is by Ardo Lindsay, and we're gonna cut to something I cut out of the Bill Krause interview. What? Which was so. Bill Krause handed us this magazine that him and Flansburg made called Art in Context, and there was a whole page in it about Ardo Lindsay. I looked at that, and I and you'll hear me in this clip, though it's a little hard to hear, which is why I'm explaining it. You'll hear me go like, oh, like Ardo Lindsay played on Hearing Aid. What's what's his story? And and I think it'd be cool to hear Bill tell us a little about Ardo Lindsay instead of me. So oh, Bill, come on back now. Yeah, here we go, Bill. You're you've tried to move on into the next life, <laughs> and we're keeping you here. So Let's listen. I noticed there was a thing in art in context about Ardo Lindsay, uh -huh. and he plays on Flood. It's, I, who is that? I don't know who that is. Oh my God, Ardo Lindsay was, I first became aware of because he played with this band called the Lounge Lizards, which was uh, John Lurie, saxophone player, and his brother Evan Lurie on piano, and uh, Anton Fear, who was the drummer for the Feelies, ah, I love and the bass player, whose name I'm blanking on, but who was brilliant, and and I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. They were, and, and Arto Lindsay played guitar. Mm. And they, I would say, were the best band in New York for about two years. Um, they were brilliant. They were like a jazz band by people who didn't like jazz <laughs> um i just go listen to them they're fucking great He does the guitar on hearing aid. And, oh, okay. and, and he played, and I don't think he ever, he didn't really play guitar. He, yeah. he, he played it as a percussion instrument. Yeah, yeah, like right. on hearing aid, the end of hearing uh, um, <laughs> And then he made a couple of records on his own. He grew up in Brazil, I think, and he made a samba record, which was really great. Wow. Um, yeah, go, go find Ardo Lindsay. <laughs> but Ardo uh, was a really weird guy, uh, kind of nerdy. There was a period of about two years where it was like the real revenge of the nerds, <laughs> like the people who everybody had made fun of yeah. in, in high school were the coolest people in town. Mm -hmm. And the lounge lizards were these guys who were like, they wore ill-fitting suits and they were kind of geeky looking. They were as far from being rock stars as you could imagine, but they were great and they inspired a lot of real enthusiasm so dave ardo Lindsay, guitar stuff i'm going to play you a clip now and i want to see your reaction because you're going to be blown away oh, i'm sure he's great Exactly the same sound. 
Arthur Lindsay's guitar style is bizarre. I don't even know if he can play guitar. Like, I'm actually not sure if he hmm. can play guitar for real. Welcome back. And with me now are two of the ambitious lovers, uh, Arto Lindsay and Peter Scherer. Is that how you pronounce your name? That's fine. Good. Now, before we go any further, I just wanted to have, if you could just demonstrate quickly your guitar. I saw you playing it earlier. We all enjoyed it enormously. If I could just hear a little of how it's... Could you just go through the notes one at a time? Thank you. Yes. That was wonderful, wasn't it? That's what I call real modernism. Now... But basically what he did, he just would smash on it and do weird sounds with it. Watching uh, Ambitious Lovers and listening to their albums and stuff, it's, it's, I was like, oh my God, it's hearing aid. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So he really just did his own thing. I don't, I, I, you know, it's, I don't think, I don't even know if Flansburg told him what to do, right, right. but it basically sounds exactly like hearing aid. So, so that's what Ardo Lindsay brings, brings to the table. And it fits the theme fits of the song, the song so well. And it's funny because when you watch Arthur Lindsay perform, he doesn't seem lazy. He's no, jumping he around. He's very energetic. A lot of energy, yeah. But yeah, so the, the Arthur Lindsay solo at the end, like there's these long pauses, which yeah, to yeah. me feels like the lazy part of it. There's like, it just sounds like he can barely get his hands to like work, you know? We've all been there. And with the way the kind of drums like decay and like that, it kind of just slows down and gets like, it just gets less and less like vibrant as it goes on, you know? A, a fitting end for the song, I would say. Yeah, it sort of doesn't, it doesn't really end. It kind of, it, it's been burned. It, it just fades away out. instead yeah. of burning out. I think the song, it just kind of dies. It kind of is just like this horrible death in this song, which fits the other stuff we talked about with it. And from horrible deaths to the next horrible song. Horrible deaths. <laughs> Minimum wage. Minimum wage. How do we unpack these lyrics? <laughs> yeah. So minimum wage. Thank God. Well, <laughs> as two words. There's like a main thing about the song that's really crazy that I did not know until I was researching the song. And, you know, this is also thanks to the TMBW, the wiki, which I is... I think I read the same thing today. Yeah. It's this exhaustive resource for fans. Almost as exhaustive as us, I'll say. And almost as exhausted as me. Yeah. Minimum wage, which I, I love just right off the bat. Do you like this song, Dave? I don't not like it. Minimum wage heavily, uh, I think illegally, yeah. <laughs> uses um, samples from the Sinatra song Downtown and see if you can hear where they did that. is making you lonely you can always go downtown when you've got worries all the how crazy is that it's very similar i don't know how i went like being but i think it's legally distinct <laughs> especially how the drums are the exact same <laughs> drums in the beginning um i don't know how i went years of being a fan and never hearing that i guess you're a poser or noticing it um I want to say also, so they use, use the drums. He uses those, so those little guitar stabs. That, mm -hmm. eh, eh, I assume that was Flansburg. It's from yeah. downtown. It's from the song. <laughs> and then there's like the, 
the, well, now I don't know what to believe anymore. Yeah, they might be big fake lies. Um, th- there's also like the, I guess, like a xylophone and like all these other instruments. Like that's in minimum wage. Like it's crazy to me. I had no idea. I really didn't know. I will say, in listening to the song, Sinatra's performance is really weird. Have you listened to this? Can't say I have, Jordan. Can't say I have. He's doing a strange thing with his voice that I think you in particular will be very amused by. He sounds kind of irritated. <laughs> and uh, let's listen to that. Let's, oh, okay. let's listen to more of Downtown because... Excited to hear somebody who's irritated. I wonder if, if anyone knows why he's singing it like this. Because he was always irritated? <laughs> <laughs> Downtown Don't hang around and let your problems surround you There are movie shows Downtown (laughs) Maybe you know some little places to go To where they never close Downtown Listen to the rhythm (laughs) What the hell is he doing? He's like, all right, guys, let's wrap this up. What is that? (laughs) What is he doing? I think he had other places to be. He sounds like he could not get out of there faster. In my, I think he's thinks he's doing something that sounds like exciting, but it comes across as like. irritated and impatient and, and you, disgusted. He and sounds disgusted. You know no one had the balls to tell him it didn't work. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you, yeah, that would be some balls. Uh, Mr. Sinatra, yeah, try one s- note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take you downtown. Yes. Yeah, so I thought that was uh, funny and weird. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe Flansburg <laughs> finds it funny too. We know from the past episode. Downtown. <laughs> Fe- downtown. <laughs> we know that uh, Flansburg has a Sinatra fixation. We could call I think it. I do now too. He yeah. <laughs> Uh, Lady is a tramp, and we talked about how he did the pal joke. Please listen to our Miscellaneous Tea Part 1 episode <laughs> if you want to hear all about his Sinatra connections, because um, I, I freaking watched a movie to, uh, he to might as well learn be more like, about that. Fucking downtown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Who cares? Yeah, so that's the main thing to discuss with Minimum Wage. Why is this the song Flansburg is sampling? I don't know. Minimum Wage downtown. I guess downtown is like hustle and bustle. There's a lot of yeah. like retail stores. Maybe he's making some ironic uh i don't know if that's not fucking saying it like someone who gets minimum wage (laughs) um so yeah as for like the the reason for the sampling besides that maybe some sometimes things just make sense in your head and work out really well i do love you know with minimum wage like they use the samples that kind of sound like voices you know which to me like works it's like these crying like the you know I, i feel like that's a good like song of the people kind of sound because it's like people's voices sampled the clamor and clatter yeah that's right the clamoring masses dave i just wanted to ask you what was the what was the first minimum wage job you had (laughs) you're a lip blower i don't think this was legal but uh when i was a kid like maybe eight (laughs) or nine a whore (laughs) i was a prostitute yeah um at my dad's school, like they would have these really long uh, meetings. Like, at, dad, your dad is a, pr- my a dad professor. Was, 
no, or not a, a professor. Oh, okay. It's a science teacher. Science teacher. Yeah, they would have these like really long meetings, you know, about like curriculum and whatever the students. Yeah. And uh, I probably got like I don't know a dollar an hour or something to answer the phones. Oh wow. <laughs> so That's be like, way Hello? below minimum wage. <laughs> Well, you know, I was like, yeah, yeah. this was the 80s. <laughs> Hello. Was Do that again. <laughs> I was like, Hello. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'd have to like take a message down. Wow. I, wow. I have not thought of this until you just okay. asked me. Yeah. That was and nice. I remember I had to like sneak into the meeting. Wow. I would put the people on hold, sneak into the meeting, like pass a piece of paper to someone and be like, you know, can you like take this call now or not? <laughs> Make sure not to disturb anyone. Yeah. And you know, that's what I got paid to do. Wow. Yeah. And then after that, it was, you know, like, I don't know. Comic store. Com yeah, so me and Dave met at this, uh, well, sort of met. That was like 10 years we later. Met, yeah, we met through this comic book store, and I guess that would be minimum wage, right? Was it even? <laughs> it was a wage. Let's leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, mine was just, I worked at the Angelica. Was it the movie theater? Yeah. yeah so the we Ange also both worked at movie theaters at the same time. Yeah, it is weird. Um, yeah, the Angelica movie theater is this movie theater in uh, lower Manhattan that's very, very hip, yeah. plays indie movies. I saw a celebrity Almost every day there, which saw was John Linnell there, which is fun. I saw John Linnell there. I told that story. Oh, Steve Buscemi there. Steve, uh, no, I didn't see Steve Buscemi. You saw there. John Waters there. John Waters, John Turturro, Benicio del Toro. Uh, Bjork was my last ticket that I ripped. Right, right. It was Bjork. Uh, we've all we've discussed several this. members of the state, <laughs> like all of those people, uh, comedians. So that was my first minimum wage job, uh, which I promptly quit because I hate work. I always quit <laughs> jobs that I. I really do. There was a point where I was working at the movie theater and the comic store at the same time, like on the and same there, day. We should tell you they're across the street yeah. from each other. So like I'd like leave one job, run across the street, go to the movie theater. Yeah. I'd make no money. Between it's like those old like farce, farces where it's like you pretend you have like a, you're like dating two girls at once. <laughs> you have to yeah, run yeah. from restaurant That's to restaurant. That's what it was like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So minimum wage, I guess, well, I guess we'll say um, it's a really fun song. I think it's perfect after hearing aid, right? Like, it it carries the theme well, that's over. The boss. Yeah, it carries the theme over so well. Oh, we should mention the whip crack in it. So that whip crack is not a real whip crack. So the producer of the album, Roger Mutinot. Oh, I think the T is silent. Mutino. Mut oh, that makes sense. I think that Dave sounds, is so sophisticated. Sounds French. Very. Um, so he he provides the whip crack, and Flansburg says the wind sound of the whip crack uh, comes from Linnell's decaying Moog synthesizer. So the and the actual crack is created by a wet towel snapped in the air and some creative miking from Roger. He was kind of revealing his inner jock with that move. So uh, oh, the crack of the towel, the roar of the crowd, the crack of the bat. You, remember, you ever remember that news radio? Anyway, so yeah, I find that really fascinating that it's not one sound. It's like a c combo of those two things, the Moog sound. That's weird. It is weird. Um, I do remember that this was the theme song for Squirt TV when I was younger, before I was a They Might Be Giants fan. I remember being like, this is a great song. But, uh, Never had cable. Yeah, it was just a show hosted by Jake Fogelnest, who was like a kid. He was like 16 years old, and it was in his bedroom. And it started as a public access show, and then MTV grabbed it. And it was kind of weird. They, he started having celebrities on. He had the kids in the hall on in his bedroom and stuff. It was pretty fun. But the theme song was Minimum Wage. And that was actually one of my first like early They Might Be Giants exposures. This song does seem to be a favorite. Do you feel like it's a favorite with fans? I feel like the times they've done it live, there's like this rapturous applause and stuff. I think it's because it just so easily resonates with people. Yeah. As hard as their lyrics are to understand, obviously the song just has the words minimum wage and a whip crack. But like 
they also really are good at tapping into like things people experience in everyday life. And you've sort of always had a history of singing about the doom. And, and I sort of wonder, as you look back on those songs, is this the doom that you were talking about? <laughs> I think the doom is just sort of the, the, the adult, you know, post-adolescent existential dread that, you know, you, you, it's, not about, it's not about sort of like the, I can't go on in this world. It's, it's much more about just like, oh my God, I have, you know, I can't quit this job. You know, I'm stuck here. Kind of. That's kind of. There's, there's sort of. It's hard to sum up. I mean, all the songs are different. There's different narrators, there's different voices in the songs. But so I don't want to like just, just uh, you know, say it's all one big heap. Yelling at minimum wage certainly invokes a feeling. <laughs> so, but here's the thing: Are they saying minimum wage is bad? Because minimum wage is the concept is good because you make sure you get paid a certain wage, right? I think it's bad. You should strive for more than that. But no, but you know what I mean, like. The concept of minimum wage is what people want. They want a minimum wage, but then they don't want to make minimum wage. They want to make more than minimum wage. I don't know. It's crazy. (laughs) Crazy kids can't decide what they're doing. Let's move on to a very easy song to interpret, Letterbox. I'll never know what you find when you open up your letterbox tomorrow. Cause a little bird never tells me anything I want to know. She's my best friend, she's a sparrow. So, Jordan, what do you think of the, uh... You know that about Yeah, the, uh, I don't know what you would even call that, the vocal dexterity of this song. Uh, it's impressive. Yeah. It's exciting. It's fun. It, it tickles my fancy. Yeah. Uh... I thought it would. Yeah. My favorite thing musically about this song is, and it's funny because you don't really get this from the album version. Mm-hmm. But they're doing an, an, a very creative little trick with the harmonies. Here's what it, what it does. First verse, they're singing the same exact thing. Right. Second verse, I wrote this down. <laughs> Second, as if the song's not complicated enough. Second verse, Linnell does the falsetto, mm-hmm. the high part for you people who don't know music terms. Um, second verse, Linnell does the high part. Third verse, they switch, and now Flansburg is doing the high part. Interesting. And then the fourth verse, they're doing a, a, what's more of like a standard harmony. Mm-hmm. So this is best illustrated in this clip of, of the two of them doing it in 1988 on, a, on this radio show. And it's, it's even stereo pan. So whoever bootlegged this did like a great mm. job. <laughs> but it's like you hear each of their voice in each ear, and you can hear which one is doing the falsetto and which one isn't at which time. So because the song is so short, I'm just going to play it and just like enjoy. See you in a little bit. This song is called Letterbox. Okay, this is Letterbox. Take A. One, two, three, two, two, three. I never know what you find when you open up your Letterbox tomorrow. Cause a little bird never tells me anything I want to know. She's my best friend, she's a sparrow. And I never know what you never, never, never want to know. We know what you are. 
clear you can hear that and it also brings to mind that like this was really this was a song that is like best live i feel because hmm. you see them do that and it's like to me that's part of the conceit of the song and you lose it in the album because that well, first of all i'll say i love how it sounds on the album it's like beautifully produced it's right. lush it's kind of it's very different for them like kind of like what i was saying about someone keeps moving my chair the guitar mm-hmm. it's not as abrasive it's like smooth and nice and goes down smooth. it's produced it's produced it's like beautiful well sounding. it's an album <laughs> what but you lose that conceit you lose the whole point in my mind which is that they're swapping falsettos and it's like it's, it's something that's very interesting about the song now why do you think they chose to do that for this song specifically the falsetto thing and the switching off. I have no idea. It, it probably I okay. Wonder, well, probably something that happened during rehearsing it and stuff. It might tie to the lyrics if you want to try to crack this this code of this song. But uh, I'm just making conversation. Yeah. Well, one thing that's interesting about this song, and it might be why the lyrics are so complicated. Yeah. Is it was one of the first songs ever for them. Here's uh, this is uh, one of the oldest songs that uh, in our repertoire. We actually did this song long before we made the Flood album, uh, but we were totally running on fumes by the time we got to the Flood album. So we had to pull this one out of the vaults, dust the uh, cobwebs and stray remains of other skeletons off it, and uh, and put it on the record. So uh, ready, fellas? Here we go. So um, apparently it was written in around like 1980. Hmm. So because in this uh, this clip from 1988, Linnell discusses it and you'll hear. He says he wrote it eight years ago. Oh, wow. The next song doesn't really have a name. Uh, and uh, I wrote this song about eight years ago, back when we were young and good. And this is, uh, sometimes we call this the letterbox song and you'll find out why. So this this is like one of their first songs, maybe one of Linnell's solo first songs, like Cowtown was, I know. So you think there was an ambition there? Something to prove? Well, it's like, so yeah, it's like he wrote this around the time he wrote like Cowtown and like the, both of those songs are just, those lyrics are like these crazy yeah. jumble of uh, <laughs> like the yellow Roosevelt Avenue. Like <laughs> right. Linnell was like on fire at the, you know, in the, this time. Lyrical somersaults. Lyrical somersaults. He could have been the next Eminem. <laughs> That's right. Such such failed potential. Yeah. What? Eating mom's spaghetti. Um, but Dave, do you do you do you like letterbox? Do I like letterbox? Do you, do you like letterbox? Jordan, do I look like a guy that doesn't like letterbox? Well your shirt says I hate letterbox. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have worn that then. Mm. Yeah, I love letterbox. It's uh it's funny, we were just now discussing how short it was and I didn't realize it because it's, it's so, so short. dense, maybe? Well, it it feels it, it could have been on their first album or Lincoln. I think it would have fit in on Lincoln pretty well, mm. in my opinion, because um, because Lincoln has that folky feel, 
Sure, so, you yeah, know, yeah. a sort of, <laughs> I feel like a folk person hearing that would be like, what the hell are you talking about? But yeah, it could have been on those albums because it was such an early song. Uh, I wonder why it wasn't, especially because it's so short. Like first album could have been like 20 tracks easily. Yeah, yeah. Just throw this on there. Uh, who knows? But uh, I, I love the production here. I love the backwards drums in the yeah. beginning. It's like a really cool idea. I don't I don't know why thematically, but it's cool. I mean, there's all like hearing aid has the backwards thing in the beginning. Then mm-hmm. this does the whole second half of Flood, like all coherent. Very creative. This really like single yeah. thing. Um, they always claim that's not intentional, but I feel like somewhere along the way, they must realize these things and pursue them. I, I think they just have very good instincts. Yes, yes. So Jesus Christ, I have a bizarre theory about the lyrics and I, I we're going to get in trouble. No, I don't know. Uh, we're, we're just going to get in trouble because people are going to be like, this is stupid. But <laughs> so, okay, well, well, you know, before I'll I, take it from here, Jordan. <laughs> Before what it's I, about before is... Before I go into that, I want to know if you had any inkling of what the song might be about. Um, no. <laughs> Let me see That's why I picked Dave for the show. Oh, I did want to say one thing, and I just thought you of this... You could say t- more than one thing. I'll say two things. Okay. I just thought of this today. Uh, yeah, Linnell bringing up eyes on the back of your head again. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was interesting thematically again. You might go back to yeah. where your eyes don't go. Yeah, I thought that too. Um, and taking a bite out of your spine. Yeah. Again, another thing, spines have been brought up. And then, of course, later on, they're going to have the alum spine. Yeah. Uh, something about those two things are sinister when paired. Yes. I agree that they're like surreal nightmare imagery. But yeah. then you've also got the little bird, the which makes me think yes. of Birdhouse. Right. Like you're having this friend that's a little bird. And again, it's not like intentional, but man, this album flows so interest in an interesting way. Um, but, but do you have any idea what like the this like supposed story? I, I'm being song? honest. I honestly don't. I, I yeah was trying to unpack it and uh, I failed. Okay, so if I were to to a vague uh, starting point, it'd be like, oh, the narrator likes sent a letter to someone, possibly a, a person he likes, like a girl he mm-hmm. likes. Let's just say that for simplicities. Well, I could like, have said it was about a letterbox. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you I know that nailed, much. You would have nailed it. Did um, you say nailed it or mailed it? You would have said nailed it, but I wish I said mailed oh. it. Um, so, you know, the, the idea, like, he doesn't know, but if he, if he sent a letter and he doesn't know what she'll find, I guess maybe he didn't send a letter. There's a lot of, like, contradictions in these mm-hmm. lyrics and things that really trips over itself. I'm just going to throw this out there, and this is probably a, a bad idea, but back in the 80s when they would do Puppet Head, mm-hmm. uh, in lieu of the memo to myself spoken bridge, Flansburg would uh, at a few shows would go on this uh, angry rant, <laughs> and he uses the word letterbox in it, as well as another phrase from another song, which is weird to me. But just listen to this. So check this out. Okay. <laughs> Go to my backyard and find a letterbox buried deep beneath the ground. Inside that letterbox, there is a letter. And written on that letter in 1,000 tiny lights are the words, Kill George Bush! Kill George Burns? Bush. Bush. Okay. Yeah, I think he's cool with George Burns. <laughs> this was 1988. <laughs> I was like, what's his beef with George Burns? Um... This was from, so that that was from June 17th, okay. 1988. Uh, edgy. 
Yeah, kind of insane to uh, incite the the death of a. <laughs> isn't that illegal? I don't know. I think so. A lot of Flansburgs are doing a lot of illegal stuff. Man, he's a wild man. So okay, so here's my weird theory. This is about the Contra. <laughs> the Iran Contra. So letterbox tying that with assassinating a president. Mm-hmm. Run around in the rain with a hole in the brain. Mm. Is this about shooting? Is this about like shooting some president in the head? Oh boy. <laughs> Follow me here. I also find it interesting, by the way, he says in that letter written in a thousand tiny lights, which makes me think of birds fly, the tiny lights. Right, right. Shine. So yeah. that's a weird uh, reoccurring phrase. Or Hanukkah. Now, here's the thing this is a Flansburg rant, and we're pretty sure Linnell wrote the song, yeah. as far as we know. Uh, you know, so. That might discount what I'm saying a bit. Yeah, but they kind of borrow from they, each other. Yeah, they are inspired by each other. They've both wrote songs about like car crashes. They both wrote songs. You know, there's a lot of like mind melding uh, between John and John. See. So, so here's the thing. I was trying to then reframe the lyrics as about like, is it about like a crazy person who's like gonna kill the president? Hmm. If I had a pair of eyes in the back of my head for each time, you forgot to take out all the things you forgot to talk about when you took a bite. And then, by the way, this this ties later to this album with Sapphire Bullets and stuff. Right. So, like, to me, it's like another thing where the songs are kind of tying together. But again, I might be totally cuckoo crazy land right now. I'm just, I'm rereading them now in that mindset. Yeah, it's it doesn't quite work. But I also think the run around in the rain with a hole in the brain kind of works. But what about the little bird, you know? Yeah, that it's, seems a cute, to be, it's a cute image. You know, and like the sparrow, isn't that like, a, I don't know, return to spring and stuff. And the, uh, didn't we talk about that? Another one, the Italian bird thing, <laughs> but what the it, primavera. But what it also makes me think of is like, son of Sam said a dog told him to kill people. Sure, And sure. here like a little bird talks to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's also a term for gossip. Yeah, it means it means like hearing around the town what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Mm. And the little bird doesn't tell him what he wants to know. Hmm. So to me, there, there's this negative thing in the song. There's something bad. I don't, I don't think it's a happy song, though the song sounds very pleasant and very um, pretty. I don't think it's a happy song. I think when, especially if it's a relationship thing, he's saying, when you took a bite out of my spine, that's like a bad relationship where yeah. someone else is like domineering and maybe like making you crumble, you know, shrivel up, curl up like a dying cockroach. Yes, like so many dying cockroaches. You know what I mean? So... So I, I don't know, man. This is this is a tough song. I, I actually the other night I was just staring at the lyrics for like a solid like hour, trying to be like, what what could I say? It's a tough one. Um, maybe we'll get some. Oh, this is a good time to say email us. Yeah. Don't let's start podcast at gmail.com is our email. Our Twitter is don't let's pod. If you have ideas, you want to talk about what you think is going on with the song, you, you go for it. I mean, looking at the lyrics in front of me now, the only thing I would be even halfway comfortable postulating would be sure definitely well we said relationship i think this might be a song about some unrequited love yeah you a know crush. I, definitely sending a letter or being afraid to send a letter like a love letter yeah um especially 
she's my best friend. She's a sparrow. I mean, maybe it's someone he even knows that he's like afraid to see his feelings for. Oh, you think the little bird is who he's writing to? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I didn't think. And then that even, way. I mean, look, run around with, with a hole in the brain. It just could be that it's like dominating his thoughts. See, that's. I feel like that's what most people. Yeah. Go to with that, but the the shooting someone in the head thing. <laughs> That's the thing, <laughs> the shooting thing. I don't know. I don't know. Well, it says, so the, every line is, it begs many questions. Listen, I mean, Little Bird never tells me anything I want to know. He, he, what he wants to hear is that she is reciprocating the love. Oh, you think he's in the best, he's in the sparrow zone? <laughs> he's in the best friend's exactly. sparrow zone? I do now. Um, too late or soon to make noise about love. So it's like nothing's happened yet yeah. or you've already missed your shot. I mean, I relate to that. All the crushes I've had. Hey, hey. I've either been like, you know, I've been in those positions. There's no time for sorrow, but then it's made it's a happy song. So that when he says there's no time for sorrow, but if, if he's saying, I don't know, too late or soon to make noise about love and there's no time for sorrow seems to contradict itself. I would think there would be sorrow if it's too late or soon to make noise about love. But running around in the rain, see, whenever it's like you're feeling sad about rain. love, it's, it's raining, right? That's like a trope. That is what happens when I've been sad then, about love. Yeah, it's like, a, you know, John Cusack starts raining on you. Ill. And then... uh <laughs> But then tomorrow, you know, you you try again. I never know what you find up here. Well, so the idea that the the first verse comes back again sure. is always. I feel like that's always an important choice, especially when people like John Linnell who who have no problem writing tons and tons of lyrics. So, like, why would you repeat lyrics again? It's because there's like a circular theme happening in the yeah. song, which is that. I don't know. He keeps like uh, waiting for this letter to be opened or or something, and then it never happens. Then he tries again tomorrow, and then he tries again tomorrow. So I, I like that. I like that we're like kind of stuck in this weird pattern. I'll never know what you never, never, never want to know when you know what you are. Oh, that that's that's one of the lines that I kept staring at. Like, wait, what is, I was trying to break it down like to its simplest possible form. Like, okay, like cut out some of the nevers. So mm -hmm. I'll never know what you never want to know. <laughs> you see what I'm talking about? I'm My like, wait, what is broken. that? What does that mean? Yeah. When you know what you are. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's a hard, it's one of their most tricky songs. But also one of their most beloved songs, I feel. I feel like fans also love this one a lot too, right? This is a good one. Yeah, if I had a pair of eyes on the back, back of my head for each time, you forgot to take out all the things you forgot to talk about. When you took them. See, I just see that as like, you know, I feel like that line as in where your eyes don't go when you want to sort of see or know things that are unknowable. Yeah. I think, I feel like this guy wants to know like what is said about him in... Mm. behind his back in oh, terms of like I feelings see. i like that and then like take a bite out of your spine you know maybe he's paranoid but saying i would have a lot of eyes on me by this time wouldn't i that's almost like there's a kind of a threatening tone to that like oh wouldn't i like you maybe it's about a potato fucking me fucking me over third theory it's about a potato third theory yeah wouldn't that just be fine i don't see i don't know if that's sarcastic you know what Dude, i mean does he think that would be fine i think i gotta tap out of this one <laughs> We're, it's hard. Yeah, it's a tough one. Before we move on, I'll just say the production of the song, it's like re really more stripped down than I even remembered. I think it's two acoustic guitars. Yeah, there's the guitar like a, sounds nice on there's it. There's like a synthy bass sound. 
And there is an accordion, which is like, there's a lot of really nice accordion on this album, which I, I only really noticed when I really started like listening closely. And that's really it. And the drums, like it's really just simple and simple and clean. Just a nice... Well, because it's so vocally driven. Yeah, you don't want a bunch of crap mm -hmm. getting in the way. Bunch the of vocals make bullshit. it much more lush. The vocals make it sound very full. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. it's the constant syllables doubled. Yes. Yeah. Um, you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Thanks for agreeing, buddy. So... That's that's letterbox. Maybe, sort of. Maybe we'll <laughs> maybe we'll come back to it. Do you guys think it's about assassinating the president? <laughs> um, email us at Don't Let's Start Podcast. The next song that we're up to, and the final one for this episode, is Whistling, Whistling in, in the, the dark. dark. A woman came up to me and said, "I'd like to poison your mind with wrong ideas that appeal to you, though I am not unkind." She looked at me. I looked at something written across her scalp. And these are the words that it faintly said as I tried to call for help. There's only one thing that I know how to do well. And I've often been told that you only can do what you know how to do well. And that's be you. Be what you're like. Be like yourself. And so I'm having a wonderful time, but I'd rather be whistling in the dark. 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 In the dark. Yeah. Um, wow. This is... This is a great song. I, I love the song as a song. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. It's, yeah, Linnell's kind of like on a roll, and uh, especially the second half of this album. Like, th these lyrics, th these are a lot of Linnell songs, a lot of uh, surreal, complicated lyrics. I I'm noticing as we're, as we're discussing. My brain, <laughs> she can't take it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Whistling in the Dark, this also has an interesting musical, like it's also kind of sparse. W one thing that's crazy is, so I never heard what Flansburg was doing in this, like mm -hmm. guitar wise, but apparently there's acoustic guitar because I found a thing of him saying that there was. John, this next song, off uh, the album Flood. I can't Flood. explain it. It's off the album Flood. It's on the album Flood. Recorded in 1989. 89. Yeah. Berlin Wall came down. Yeah. People were like, I want to hear different kind of They Might Be Giants music now. Cold War's over. I actually bought an acoustic guitar to record this song, I do remember that. With all that big record record company money. Yeah. With all that Cold War peace dividend money. Yeah. Peace dividends. Don't worry, John. John, we're, we're going to throw it away at the end of the night. Okay. <laughs> That's how we did it. A woman came up to me and said, I'd like to poison So do you hear an acoustic guitar? No. I, I feel like, so what I hear, it sounds to me like a keyboard, like a fake like mm -hmm. harpsichord sound or whatever. I wonder if there's acoustic under that just to like right. fatten it up or give it a warmer tone or something. Like he's just going dent. Like I don't, I don't know. I really never knew that there was acoustic. I never would have guessed there was acoustic guitar in this song. It's also crazy to me how deep Linnell's voice. Both of them actually, how yeah. they have a really good vocal range. Yeah, because they can sing, obviously in the higher register and a lot of stuff. But yeah, Linnell's voice is damn deep in this song. It's it's deep. Maybe it's, it's sexy. I think this is their sexiest song. It's sexier than yeah. SCXXY, I'd I say. agree. Though in SCXXY, Linnell's harmony is really deep. <laughs> He's like, SCX, you know? So I think uh, in a musical sense, we should just talk about the the, the drum because mm -hmm. the, the big bass drum is, is... That's the star of the show, it's folks. It's the star of the show. 
And I, I really like Flansburg's quote about this, which was, you know, we, we've been quoting a lot from this one Rolling Stone article throughout these flood episodes. But he says, the bass drum sound was something we actually worked on for quite a while in the studio, and we weren't so happy with it, even in the end. But I think in our imaginations, even an atomic blast would have been too small. Mm. And I hear what they mean, because, you know, so you'll see them live, and they'll do it with Flansburg will wear the giant drum. So the road case to this thing... Costs like $200 more than the actual thing. And um, you know, I never thought we'd make our living like playing marching band bass drums. And I never thought I would have arguments wearing a marching band bass drum. I'm not going to start now. A woman came up to me and said, I'd like to poison your mind with wrong ideas that appeal to you, though I am not unkind. She looked at me, I looked at Though lately, I've, I was watching newer videos, and like he's just playing guitar. I was mm-hmm. like, what? <laughs> I didn't even notice that they, he stopped doing that. But it, for, for many years, uh, and maybe in the future, you know, he's playing this big drum, and it has this huge sound. And on the album, I do hear, it's like, it's not very... Some things just don't translate. Yeah, it's just not big. It's big if you really focus on it and go like, oh, that's cool. But it doesn't, it sh- in my mind, it should be the thing that totally like interrupts your listening of the song. Be like, hey, what the fuck? Maybe they should have put reverb on it. There's a lot of reverb on it. <laughs> like a bit more I, reverb? I was joking. Oh, okay. I get it. Mm. Do you get is, jokes? There is a lot of reverb. Yeah, yes. m- maybe more bass. Well, so Flood isn't a very, it's not a very bass heavy album. Like even the bass they on the album. They should have raised the volume. It's kind of like, yeah, of the drum. Yeah. They should have gotten a bigger drum. Mm. See? Simple solutions, simple problems. But yeah, when when they play the song live, it's very fun to watch Flansburg play the drum. He kind of s- sticks it in the audience's face. It's a little scary. Mm. Worried you're going to get hurt. Do you ever worry that he'll hurt you? Yes. In the night, in the middle of the night. (laughs) I wanted to ask you, Dave, do you know there's no bass on this song? How dare they? Yeah, isn't that interesting? Did you ever notice that? I did not. I I've listened. I listened to. By the way, you didn't ask me. You said there is no bass on this. Well, I was going to get to my question, which was, (laughs) how does that make you feel? Sad. Yeah, it's mad. (laughs) Well, I guess with that big drum. Yeah. So you you think it would get in the way of the drum? I think a really soft, like finger picked. Smooth bass line would have been cool. Well, so here's the thing. Live, there is bass because Danny yeah. Weinkoff's yeah, playing bass. Yeah, what's he going to do with the poor guy? Well, I think it's fascinating to hear like what his bass line is live. Do you have a I have clip? a clip, <laughs> baby. I actually Let's was, hear it then. I was trying to find clips because the bass is, is kind of subdued in a lot of the live recordings, but this one seemed pretty good. I wonder good. if you'd do it the way I'd do it. This is from 2007. Maybe we saw this one. I think it works. Yeah, it, it's interesting that they had, like to, it. they had to create a baseline for the song. You can also hear it on the live New York CD. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's like Tony May Momi on, on that one playing a bass. I was actually trying to see if they were the same baseline because hmm. that would like be telling of who thought of what, you know, but uh, it was kind of hard to tell. So 
this is quite a tale told mm. in this song. A woman came up to me and said, I'd like to poison your mind. So uh, don't they all? Am I right, fellas? <laughs> <laughs> so this this to me, like I was just talking about brainwashing yeah. and we want to rock and all that stuff. You know, hey, hey. Uh, the, Whoa. <laughs> I'd like to poison your mind with wrong ideas that appeal to you. So that's a great sentence. Mm. Wrong ideas that appeal to you. That's yeah. human nature, folks. That's this is what we're all going through, right? Am I right? That's I guess that's what the devil does, right? We talked about him before. He's for some reason the devil keeps coming up in this show. I wonder if there's some Biblical. secret message happening in our show that's corrupting the youth. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. She looked uh, here we go again with more uh, connections to the other songs. She looked at me, I looked at something written across her scalp. Yep. I bet it was in green magic marker. Green magic marker, prosthetic scalp. These are the words that it faintly said as I tried to call for help. It, it always was scary. So she started murdering him. <laughs> yeah. I always thought that was a scary line. Yeah. As I tried to, like, it's it's almost like burying the lead. It's like, oh, you're singing this, you're telling the story while you're, like, pleading for help from <laughs> someone else because of this scary woman. You, this this is, like, one of the scarier characters in a They Might Be Giant song <laughs> is this, like, evil, <laughs> evil woman. Well, that's why I think it's two different people because I think this guy is a... Uh... Not long for this world. Well, here's what I think. I think maybe she brainwashed. She like you're seeing the remnant, last remnants of his like autonomy, mm -hmm. and she brainwashes him. And then he's kind of like, I'm just you know whistling in the dark. We should talk about the etymology of that a little. You know, it's some people also say whistling past the graveyard. Uh, I've seen that like tied to it. Whistling in the dark is like a really old term. I actually couldn't find like exactly where it's from. But like there is like old songs called Whistling in the Dark. There's mm -hmm. one from like 1931. So Whistling in the Dark is a phrase. And the phrase basically means you're kind of ignoring your problems mm -hmm. and kind of having this like happy-go-lucky, you know, attitude while ignoring scary things around you. Either so it's synonymous with putting your head in the sand. Kind of putting your head in the sand. I don't know if it's about like, like it could be about like your own problems or society's problems yeah. or the world, but... It really does remind me of like the the people, the babies going to the crib, and we want to rock. Like they're yeah. just oblivious to the things around them, Bunch and they're of just stupid whistling babies. Linnell's theme on in the second half of this album is like looking down on people as like these kind of oblivious, cheerful people, and we're gonna see that again in a, another song. Absolutely, up. yeah, yeah. So, um, so this to me seems the theme of the song, and I feel like in the first verse he's kind of done for. He's like. His brain has taken over. But you don't think he's been killed? I don't think he's been killed, but I think whatever happened led him to be in jail in mm. the second verse. And then, so yeah, there's only one thing that I know how to do well. And I've often been told that you only can do what you know how to do well. So that's a weird, God, there's every, the lines on this album, like, they spin me right round <laughs> like a record baby. It's weird to say I've often been told that you can that you only can do what you know how to do well. Like that's not good advice. Like you should try to do stuff you don't know how to do well because then you'll do it well. That's what Edward Albee says. What does he say? He's the guy who wrote uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. He spoke at my college graduation oh. and he said this, and I've always thought about this actually. Okay. He, he was actually a cool speaker that gave good advice. If you only do what you know how to do well, you'll do it a little worse each time. Oh, interesting. So, you know, that's that's something to think about. <laughs> that ties to the song really perfectly. Playing it safe, you know? Playing it safe, we call that. That's I think that's what the song's about. Yeah. But then the thing that he can only do well is be yourself. 
which is a, right. adds another layer. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of the time, I've noticed with this episode, like we are almost close to figuring a song out, and then the next line happens, and we yeah. go, "Oh shit!" Well, this episode gave me a really bad headache. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's from hitting yourself with the rock. Oh, well, or it could have been from New Year's. So is he saying? So he says, "I'm having a wonderful time, but I'd rather be whistling in the dark." Is he saying, "I'm having a wonderful"? I would enjoy being myself, but I'd rather whistle in the dark. So that that yeah. fits my theory that it's about someone who's been like corrupted. I mean, he might be being sarcastic also. Well, yeah, that's hard to tell. <laughs> like, they, oh, they I'm having a great time thinking about all these problems, but you know what? I'd rather... Yeah, maybe. Not have they should have had little parentheses. Sarcasm. sarcasm. Yeah. You know, if you say, but everybody might be sarcastic to any lyric, <laughs> that might... No, I know. Negate everything. I think everything right is wrong again is sarcastic. Yeah. Everything right is great. So the other thing I wanted to talk about musically and thematically is like Flansburg using the marching drum, mm-hmm. right? And then the marching sound of the song, the dun 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 Marching dun, to the beat dun, of dun, his dun. own drummer, Thank huh? you. So what I'm trying to point to, which Dave's ahead of me on, is like it really fits thematically. Like yeah. the idea of like this mindless marching mass, again, like going into the crib, <laughs> right. just like these, this, you imagine like these people marching down the street of this song. Just Well, that's why I figured it out. Cause I'm not one of those whistling babies. Yeah. It's funny. I was just listening to like a podcast where someone was saying, just like, what is wrong with most people? Like, why are they so like susceptible yeah. to like, things whether it's religious ideas or even anything really just like ideologies like why are people so malleable yeah that's what he said he's like why are people so malleable like Mm. their brains and then he's like why are he was like talking to someone he's like why are we not like that and i've talked about that with our friend daniel once like we had this long conversation over like at a pizza place i was just saying like what is it about us where we're just like refuse to go along with things and like i don't know and i know it sounds like it's like a kind of complimenting ourselves but it It sure does i've always felt like that i mean haven't you always kind of felt like that like why is everyone around me a drooling moron yes (laughs) this is our most likable episode (laughs) (laughs) i think it's just because i have a built-in suspicion of everything just yeah so for for dave it's like a mental illness (laughs) oh yeah for sure yeah um i think it's a defense mechanism that's it's survival Hmm. surviving yeah um <laughs> what you been up to surviving okay so the, yeah the idea with the marching really feels like i just really these songs like uh, they they put this imagery in my head uh, like just the like bells are ringing group yeah the bells ring is a great counterpoint with yeah. this song oh my god that's a great uh yeah it's the same song maybe lanella is afraid of that too you know i mean we've talked about that before like yeah you know the reason my wife's afraid of zombie movies is like not being able to think for herself you know being mindless Mm. very afraid of that but see but this guy like he likes he's he, he, part of some him, people it suits part of him is accepting it because he says i'd i'd have a wonderful time being myself but i'd rather whistle in the dark and just not think about it and i not think there's care. an appeal to that too yeah yeah um i mean it's like when i watch tv when i just want to like not think for a while you know Let's talk about the second verse. Uh, a man came up to me. So now it's a man. So it's all equal. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's bad. Um, a man came up to me and said, I'd like to change your mind by hitting it with a rock. He said, maybe that rock had a string tied to it. 
thank you. Though I am not unkind, we laughed at his little joke. And I love these <laughs> lyrics, by the way. Uh, like, I don't know if you could guess. That's my little joke. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. I, I laughed, we laughed at his little joke, and then I happily walked away and hit my head on the wall of the jail where the two of us live today. Cranial injuries, the most, maybe Lino's the most common. with that, too. Yeah, the, maybe the most common motif in their songs. Maybe. Brain problem situation. Besides, yeah, that's a personal favorite. Spoiler alert. Contra coup. Yeah. I could probably name a lot more. <laughs> yeah, just keep going. This narrative is, is very funny. Very, it's, you know, all this stuff reminds me of kind of like old school, like, Kafka-y kind of literature, like short stories or just like weird, yeah, yeah, surreal yeah. things happening. You well, also know, like very the trial. <laughs> right, right. And kind of vaudevillian actually too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like they turn There's around immediately hit each. That, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, the, see you tomorrow, Frank. And the pun, I'd like to change your mind. Right. Uh, Frankie Joe. Yeah. Everybody back then was named Frank or Joe. Yeah. <laughs> or Frankie Joe. Or Frank Frankenstein Jr. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, though, I'd like to change your mind by hitting it with a rock, though I am not unkind, which is similar Just to like what the lady, the lady said that, too. You know, it's yeah, weird. I it's don't know if similar. I ever noticed that. It's actually exact. It's exactly the same. Yeah, someone. So maybe it, they're a married couple and they go around fucking people over. It's yeah, maybe I feel like so this is the idea of like protesting <laughs> too much. Right. It's mm -hmm. like if someone keeps telling you how not unkind yeah. they are. It's like when people start the sentence with a now I'm not racist, but yes. Keep going, Dave. What's the rest of that? But I'm very racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Linnell actually has talked about the lyrics a little bit in this song. Uh, and w what he said in this uh, Rolling Stone interview, which is, there's a lot going on in this quote. I'll read it to you, Dave, in my, my patent-pending John Linnell voice. Go for it. He said, I thought it would be funny. <laughs> I love his sense of humor, by the way. I thought it would be funny if there were two guys who have a seemingly brief, hostile interaction and the camera pulls back and they're in jail together. Hmm. <laughs> Is that funny? I don't, I guess. Bear in mind, if you insist on interpreting the words to this peculiar song, <laughs> that the narrator is comfortable and capable in the role of being what he's like. However, as the wise men say, an is is not an ought. That's a qu quote from John Jesus Linnell. Christ. <laughs> well, so what are you saying there? Yeah, can you dumb that down for me? Yeah, so an is is not an ought just means like, so I could be like, you know, oh, I'm a coffee drinker uh, a month ago, right? I'm a coffee drinker. Yeah. But just because I'm a coffee drinker doesn't mean that I ought to be a coffee drinker. Maybe sure. it's bad for me. Oh, yeah. So so that's what that means is like, just because you are something doesn't mean that's what you should be doing. Like, like don't Popeye. let's start a podcast about them. <laughs> <I'm trying>, what? <laughs> I am what I am. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but maybe I shouldn't be am what I am. <laughs> I'm losing it. Yeah. Sorry. Go that ahead. That was like the... The, the rest of that phrase yeah. that um that's Popeye in his darker moments old half thought Dave. maybe I shouldn't be what I am what I am yeah he's alone in his room crying uh, at his big forearms yeah why so, only they big why can't I build mass on my biceps I also love uh speaking of like this song having all these great thematic things they would perform this song uh for a while in the dark on stage I don't remember if we saw them do that I don't recall I feel like it, I saw that but I watched a lot of YouTube yeah. videos of them performing it in pitch black dark which is like so great for the what the song's about you're just like like just empty dark space where you're not allowed to like confront things about yourself I don't know just to close it out like like we were saying before the repetitive nature of the song is crazy it just goes on and I think it's like one of the longest it's a very long fade out it's a really long song Oh, I also love the the trumpets and the, the trumpet and the trombone on the song. It's Frank London and Rick McRae. I didn't even look that up, by the way. Um, Frank London's been on a lot of their... Well, so Rick McRae well, played... Well, now I recognize that name. 
Yeah, so so Rick has played trombone. He played trombone in Theme um, from Flood. Mr. McRae. And Frank London has been in a bunch of songs of theirs over the years. He's on John Henry. He's yes. on, I think, Dr. Worm. And, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Worm. <laughs> <laughs> so what I love about the horns in the song is how, like, limp and pathetic sounding they are. Like, in, towards the, like, you know what I mean? Well, I, they also kind of have a conversation going on between them. Yeah, that's true. It's great counterpoints for you musicians out there, like playing against what Linnell is singing. Well, the whole song is about two people, two things talking, yeah. having an interaction. So it's cool that's that such there's a good two point. horns as well. Which horn is the one that got hit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and which horn is... So, so the re- Well, even this part, it's like call and response. Yeah, it's call and response, which is perfect for a song about people having these weird conversations. Right. Uh, and then... It's goddamn brilliant! So it goes on a really long time. And then as it goes on... And a little bit of a parade, too. Yeah, it is like a parade. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's so like then, a New Orleans brass band or something. Yeah. So as it goes on, the song fades out, but the tr- the horns don't, <laughs> which I think is so interesting, like a thing to do. So you can hear like the song fading out and the horns remain at the same volume. And then the horns just kind of sputter out. I feel like they're the omniscient uh, narrator, like laughing at everybody in the song. And yeah, and then it ends with this like kind of weak, weird little wrong note almost like, Meh. it's like this really sad, strange, like trumpet and trombone playing that I think is like so perfect for a song. I would have loved to be in the studio and like see how that happens, you know? I think the horns represent the alien race that's looking down on planet Earth, watching all this folly. I agree. <laughs> I think I think the trumpet is the id and the trombone is... The ego. The ego. Or super ego. Or super, well, I think the... Which one wom- is the one? I think the woman is the super ego and the man is the... We almost had something. <laughs> So that's it. That's Whistling in the Dark, and that's um, episode four of our Flood series. Oh, boy. Wow. This was fun. I had fun. I'm I'm glowing, Dave. I saw that. I didn't want to say anything. Listen. I didn't know if it was intentional or not. We are we are. Don't Let's Start, a podcast about They Might Be Giants. Our yes, email is don'tletstartpodcast at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at don'tletspod. I post fun, funny, fun things from the, t- from the Twitter. Great. And... Friends, if you want to support the show, you can go to anchor.fm slash don't let's start. Uh, there's links all over the, the Twitter and all that stuff, too, if you don't feel like typing words into a thing. And there's a there's a button that says support. It means a lot to me. Me and Dave want to thank. We always want to thank every single person who does that because uh, you're all wonderful people. And everyone who's not doing it is a wonderful person because you're hearing me. You can also go to... Uh iTunes and rate the podcast. Yes, please. Five rate stars us. or better, please. Give us a, a, a wonderful review. You know, you could do six stars. Nobody knows about that. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh my God. It's like a secret Easter egg. And that's going to be it for us because. Because. because.